Hey everybody, this is episode number 113 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is September 21st, 2018. I'm Robert Ring, and with me as always is Jay Totoro. Hello, sir. Did you hear about, um, Telltale Games? No. They are shutting down. Wow. This just, uh, this just, like, developed in the last couple hours. What happened, did they say? They didn't say exactly, um, let's see, I, I feel like I've got, I had it pulled up somewhere, but I'm not sure if I still do. Um, basically, uh, it sounds like, you know, they, they, they had talked, a, I feel like not too long ago about updating their engine, because, you know, that was one of the biggest complaints that everybody had about Telltale stuff lately, is that their engine was kind of out of date. And, uh, you know, they were they were making the same kind of games as they always were, but people were getting kind of tired of the engine. Honestly, I'd never really minded it too much. I, I mean, I thought it was fine. It, it did what it was supposed to do, and it did it pretty well. But, uh, it, I mean, you could sort of start to see the rust on it, kind of, in a way, I guess, so sure. to speak. But, um, so they had talked about, like, updating their engine and doing this stuff. And then also there was this stuff that came out about a year ago. I think that was somebody had like talked. So I, there was some article about how basically toxic their company culture had become oh, as they, yeah, that's um, very common right now. Yeah. And it was, it seemed like, it seemed like this wasn't so much a like sexism thing as, as we're so used to hearing. This was more along the lines of, Oh, they kind of grew too fast. And then like everybody was pressured to do kind of, it was the typical kind of like, everybody's pulling 80 hour weeks all the time and that kind of shit. Oh. And the culture just kind of sucked and things like that. If I remember correctly. And, uh, so, um, let's see. Okay. Telltale games released this statement. I'll just read this. Uh, today, telltale games made the difficult decision to begin a majority studio closure following a year marked by insurmountable challenges. A majority of the company's employees were dismissed earlier this morning with a small group of 25 employees staying on to fulfill the company's obligations to its board and partners. CEO Pete Hawley issued the following statement. So the 25 employees that are staying, it sounds like they're just staying there just to like finish up a few things before, you know, everything finishes closing down. Um, but, but they had like 250 employees or something like that. Holy shit. Uh, he says it's been an incredibly difficult year for telltale as we work to set the company on a new course. Unfortunately, we ran out of time trying to get there. We released some of our best content this year and received a tremendous amount of positive feedback, but ultimately that did not translate to sales. With a heavy heart, we watch our friends leave today to spread our brand of storytelling across the games industry. Telltale will issue further comments regarding its product portfolio in the coming weeks. So it sounds like they were kind of like trying to change stuff up. Uh, I believe they had gotten a new CEO also. Um, but I, I mean, I guess it seems like they were trying to change stuff up and they kind of sort of ran out of money in the meantime, you know, before they were able to make the, whatever changes they wanted to make. Um, I guess they ran out of money wow. partly, you know, maybe easing up on stuff while trying to pivot in whatever way they were. But also, as they said, they, the, the, the their sales weren't doing very well, I guess probably because, you know, the, so many people had complaints about, you know, their games sort of all, all sort of, they're all starting to kind of become this, you know, very, very similar to each other. Sure. And, uh, and there were also like, you know, they had a lot of really, this is just speculation, but 
they the, the the common theme that a lot of people sort of noticed was that they started kind of uh getting really expensive properties like really like you know obviously the walking dead was was the was the first like blowout game that they had but even before then they were all based on like licensing out you know other uh independent or independent other uh, intellectual properties and making games on those like Jurassic Park even Monkey Island and uh stuff like that and so like then they started getting really big things like Marvel and Minecraft and and Batman and stuff and so and in Game of Thrones even so the speculation wow. was that they spent you know so much money just licensing so much shit out that they that maybe they didn't have enough to uh to, to focus on actual development. Um, and they were also sort of like pumping a whole lot of shit out for a long time. So like with, with like maybe heavy workloads plus tons of uh, resources going to licensing fees. Uh, maybe they just didn't have the time and resources to, uh, to focus on the games themselves. Again, that's speculation, but, uh, but I mean, it would make sense if that was the case. Really sad. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I, I mean, you know, there are there are plenty of uh, criticisms to have against Telltale. But a lot of people are really, honestly, usually a lot harsher on them than I am. I, I really appreciate a lot of the, most of their stuff that I've played. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, that sucks. Wow. Um, apparently, uh, it, it was it was kind of neat to see that like after this was announced. Some people from uh, from Epic Games that make Fortnite, and also from Blizzard, they were they were out on Twitter and stuff saying like, "Hey, if you guys, you know, anybody who's who was affected by the by these layoffs or you know by the closing of Telltale, uh, you know, be sure to get in touch with us because you know we we know that you guys do do really good work. So uh, you know, we'll, we're we'll interested in hiring. So hopefully, some of them will find. I mean, hopefully, all of them will find a place somewhere. Hopefully, for many of them, it's 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 quick. But uh, yeah, so that kind that that that's that sucks. So it's also really weird because Telltale was like so big, and all of a sudden they're just dead, you know? Yeah, that's that's kind of my thought. Like I, I obviously they, they, a lot of the games they named off aren't games that I particularly played, but I definitely recognize them, and it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, normally you see like a, a company get bought or something like that. Yeah, not just like straight up shut their doors, but it seems to be what's happening here. So, anyways, that sucks, but uh, that's really the. The only, well, not news. I haven't gotten into news yet, but that's the only kind of new thing going on, I guess, before we get into news. Anything else worth noting? Before I was going to say, uh, there's another company that's under a lot of criticism right now that I was surprised to hear is Riot. Did you hear about all this? Uh, no, I haven't heard any recent Riot stuff. So I know they've had plenty of issues in the past. Well, it's 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 kind of bubbling up, it feels like, because uh, some people left. Um, apparently, they, what, what, what was said is what I've seen so far that's been really confirmed is uh, that they have a very sexist work environment, and right, I remember hearing about are, that. Yeah, but apparently it's getting it's getting worse and worse to the point where people are leaving. Like a good not people who are pretty recognized by the company and by the community for their roles within the company uh, left recently and, and made some pretty pretty interesting statements. And oh man, I would hate to be Riot shoes right now. Well, I mean, like what kind that, of statements? Is that how bad uh, it was? I'll, I'll, so I don't, I don't want to say anything specific because I don't know. It's hard to tell what is true and what's not true now because not all of it is confirmed. Some of it is. But like the bottom line was there there are – it's a very male-dominated environment that a lot of like women who work there don't feel comfortable all the time. So it's kind are, of more more a blow-up of the stuff that was that people were reporting on like a couple months ago yeah. more or less? Yeah. Okay. But it's just – it's getting worse and worse from, from what, 
what I've been reading. And... Damn. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean that that that's kind of shitty. I know. Well, uh, hopefully that works. That that gets worked out somehow. But I mean, you would have thought that maybe something would happen by now, as opposed to it getting worse. Right. That's my thought. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um. All right, let's talk about classic gaming news then. Who? Now that now that we're done with all the modern day gaming news. Nice. I see what there. Yeah, you like that? Actually, there's we got a sort of a bunch of stuff. Uh, all right, all right. Where we get, where where do we start? Where do we start? Actually, I'll go. I'll start with this one before I forget. Um, I am eight bit. Is a company that makes uh they 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 partner up with 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 um with like developers and production companies to or I'm sorry and publishers rather to make like special edition like special kind of like editions of a lot of times like older games. Okay. And they um Capcom and and I am eight bit have released or are about to release a uh like collector's edition of Mega Man Two, okay. as well as Mega Man X, and it's um I don't I, I forgot when it's coming out. I didn't write this down. I'm actually surprised that I even remembered it. Um, I'm I'm looking it up right now, but uh the the Mega Man Two game the cartridge is blue, and for Mega Man X the cartridge is white. And so that's kind of, they did a similar thing with, it was Capcom also, they did a similar thing with Street Fighter 2, I guess about six months ago maybe, okay. where they did, uh, they, they released, I think it was red versions of Street Fighter 2, of, and, it, and it comes, and it's not just the cartridge, it comes in a box with, uh, with, with instruction manuals, and even, I saw an opening of the Mega Man X box, and it's got a, it's got kind of like a fold out front part that, that, that looks pretty cool. And also, one in eight boxes randomly are going to have a, instead of being the blue or white cartridge, it's going to be <clears throat> a uh, glow-in-the-dark cartridge. So, yeah. kind of a cool collection piece if you are a big fan of Mega Man X or Mega Man 2. They are limited edition. Uh, there are going to be 8,500 of them. Um, they are you know fully playable and everything. I, it looks like, actually, they are out now it's, i thought i didn't think they had come out yet but it looks like you can't order them now the only downside is they're a hundred dollars so Jesus. uh it's a little bit expensive but i mean it's not that crazy i mean granted it is a pretty old game so, but it's not as insane as maybe it sounds because it is kind of a sweet collector's edition of these and uh i'm guessing if you bought one of these complete in box i bet Mega Man x would even be more i don't know about Mega Man 2 maybe not quite as much i'm kind of curious now Mega Man 2 complete in box. I'm just going to look up Mega Man 2. I won't spend too much time doing this. Oh, okay, good. It takes me to motors. Uh, okay, yeah, so Mega Man 2, there's there's uh, there's one copy on eBay right now going for 73 There's another one selling for 80 So it's really not that much more than the like original uh, Mega Man 2. So anyway, there's that. That's, that's, that's going on. It, you can get it from iam8bit.com if you're interested. A uh, whole bunch of other stuff. There's a new Samurai Showdown wow. that has been announced. 
It's coming out next year. I don't think any, I think it's only just, I think they've only said 2019. So there's no more specific date on that, but sometime next year for PS4, there's a new Samurai Showdown. It is not a, um, it doesn't use the 2D cartoon style graphics that, uh, that all the other, I guess it was all the, there may have been one or two Samurai Showdowns that didn't have that, but you know, the classic Samurai Showdown look is kind of a little bit cartoony, uh, this does not look like that. It looks kind of akin to something like Street Fighter 4, for, or, or I guess, or 5, for that matter. So, uh, it's like, you know, 3D graphics on a 2D playing field. Okay. So, that'll be... I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I really like the old, the, the, the classic Samurai Showdown look. But, uh, regardless, I really hope this will be a, a good game. Because those, those were really Sounds fun like you're going to get it. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'd say it's it's there's a good chance... But I do. I I don't think I'm just gonna blindly buy it like I would, you know, some stuff like this. I'll I'll wait to hear how it is after it comes out. A bunch of games are coming to Switch. Uh, this, Nintendo has announced a bunch of stuff in the past, I guess, week or two. Mm-hmm. There are um a ton of well, uh, several Final Fantasy games coming to Switch. Final Fantasy uh, Crystal Chronicles Remastered. Oh wow! Is that a good game? Uh, Crystal Chronicles. Uh, let me see. This it was a GameCube game. I played it a little bit. It's it's not a bad game though, if I remember correctly. A little weird. I actually might play this game soon. While you're looking that up, Crystal Chronicles Remastered is coming out. To, is coming to Switch. Yeah. Also, Final Fantasy VII is coming to Switch. Huh? Oh, which one? Uh, the original. I'm kidding. Okay. I was about to say, you know the remake hasn't come out yet, right? Uh, also, 9, 10, 10 wow. 2, and oh. 12 Zodiac Edition. You had me, you had me sold up until the uh, 10-2 part. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Crystal Chronicles Remastered. 7, 9, 10, 10, 2, 12, uh, and, and 12 Zodiac Edition. Also, oh. sorry, what? I was going to say, what this makes me think is there's a pretty interesting relationship developing with the Switch and Squaresoft. Yeah, you're right. What, is, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to get another Super Mario RPG? Is that what that means? <laughs> that, that, imagine that announcement. Holy shit. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's like breadcrumbs. Yeah. Wow. We'll see what we'll see what happens. That would be pretty sick. I am. Lisa and I are talking about this. The Switch is the first system I've wanted to buy in 20 years. Seriously, like I had a PS2 and I loved the shit out of that. And then after that, I had access to certain systems, but I never really just wanted to buy one. The Switch is the first one that's really drawing me in. Um, you know, that's sort of similar <laughs> to me, honestly, too. You know, I mean, of course, I have one, but I have a PS3 and PS4. But really, the PS3, I'm I, I mostly bought for uh, to play Blu-rays on. If I remember correctly, and um, and then the PS4, well, it isn't technically even mine. It's my daughter's. I got it for her, and I do use them both. But uh, but I it's it's kind of like I could have done without without them. You know, at this point, if I didn't have one or the other, I probably would have bought one at least. But uh, neither of them were like, oh, I gotta have it. And then I, don't, I haven't really cared about the Xbox since since the original Xbox. So I guess uh, bef- so PS3 and PS4 I bought those, but before that, 
Well, I guess I guess I got a Wii U eventually also. So maybe <laughs> like well, except for this and except for that and except for this. Maybe I'm just kind of talking out my ass now. So never mind. But I know what you mean. Uh, it's the first one that I've really been excited about, and the first one that you know I've been excited about enough to to for me to buy on day one and that kind of stuff in a very long yeah. time. I, I will say one little caveat: handhelds are kind of the exclusion to this. Okay. Um, there's also a Capcom beat 'em up bundle that just came out for Switch. It has Final Fight. King of Dragons, Captain Commando, Knights of the Realm, and Warriors of Fate. Most of these are were arcade beat 'em ups that 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 did later get um, ported to various consoles, but these are primarily arcade style beat 'em ups. The uh, Sega Genesis Classics Collection, otherwise known as the Sega Mega Sack Pack. There you go. Fuck yeah! It's coming to Switch this winter. Um, sw- okay, and then Switch Online just came out. So, whatever, so wh- whether your whatever your opinion on Switch Online on that service may be, I know it's kind of catching a lot of shit over the past week, but um, it comes with a bunch of classic uh, NES games, and supposedly there are going to be more uh, to come as well. Right now, if you pay for uh if you if you pay for the switch the nintendo switch online service you also it comes with uh you can play soccer super mario brothers one and three the uh the original just mario brothers where you're just bouncing around on you know one single level jumping on turtles tennis legend of zelda ghost and goblins excite bike balloon fight tecmo bowl yoshi uh, Donkey Kong, Ice Climber, Double Dragon, Gradius, or Gradius, I don't know how you pronounce it, Ice Hockey, Dr. Mario, River City Ransom, Pro Wrestling, and Baseball. Jeez. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good, li- pretty impressive library. Yeah, and then they have announced the games that they're, they're going to come out with in the next few months. It looks like they're releasing uh, three more per month for the next couple months. October, mm-hmm. they're going to add Solomon's Key, Ennius Open Tournament Golf, and Super Dodgeball. November, they're going to add Metroid, Mighty Bomb Jack, and Twin B. And then December, they're going to add Wario's Woods, Ninja Gaiden, and Adventures of Lolo. Wario's Woods. That game is so funny. Isn't that like a Tetris game, sort of? Or like, sort of like Yeah, it's Dr. a Mario? really watered-down Tetris. I, all I know is me <laughs> wow. and my old roommate played it like... We played 100 rounds, probably. And for the first 70 rounds, we didn't know what we were doing. And I just... <laughs> I promise That's you not. Hilarious. He was getting so He was just like, like, all right, I think I know what I'm doing. What the fuck? How did you win? And I would win in like three seconds, two seconds. <laughs> He'd be like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Nice. That's awesome. Okay. Um. Oh, and so PSA, it, it sounds like there may not be much to worry about here, but if you have a Nintendo Switch and you're, and you're considering getting this and playing some of these, there have been uh, some people who have said that there's something similar to burn-in happening on their screens. <laughs> um, it's really unclear what the issue is, and it do- it does seem to only happen if you use the 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 emulator's uh, CRT filter. So, it seems like if you don't use that, then you're fine. <laughs> but People were like, holy shit, my screen has like burn-in from Donkey Kong, and there were a few specific games that were causing it. And 
I think people were saying that it was happening on their TV and on their on the actual Switch screen. But I only saw pictures of it on Switch screen, so I have seen pictures of this, but it seems like it may not actually be burn-in, but rather some sort of weird rendering issue where it's kind of keeping some of the pixels on the screen for some reason. Um, But then again, it's really unclear whether that's whether that's true, whether it might actually possibly be burn in because there are, there are kind of a lot of unanswered questions because I've seen people, I've, I've heard a million people say a million different things as you, as you would expect on the internet. Like, no, this didn't happen to me. I tried it for, you know, an hour straight, nothing happened. And somebody else is like, well, I played it for three minutes and it happened to me. And then somebody, some people are like, well, if I turn my TV off and turn it back on, then it goes away. And then the other person's like, well, I turned mine off and back on and it stayed. So like, it's like, and then some people are like, oh, it only happens on the Switch screen. And then other people are like, no, it only happens on the actual TV. So uh, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, I haven't seen any confirmation that it that it does create any long, long, long-standing long problems. So whatever it is, it seems like it might be kind of a temporary issue that it can cause. But probably safest, if you're going to play some of these, to not use the CRT filter. Because um, that seems to be what, what causes it to happen. So PSA out there, if you're, if you think you might, um, might play some of these on this, on this service. I remember, I forget. Oh, when we remember demo discs back in the day. Oh yeah. We would, uh, there were certain games we played on demo discs that were kind of lengthy. They actually had like a good amount of content in them. And so we would, uh, I would play them. And at the end of the night, I would leave my TV and my PlayStation on or whatever. And while I was at school the next day, I would just leave it on all day. And then when I come home, I could continue playing. Well, I didn't know about that, the whole burning thing. I, I had a couple close calls, but thankfully, it didn't oh, yeah. any permanent damage. But holy shit, man. I had no idea. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah, I never knew. I never really knew that either. And I, I don't think I ever really experienced that. I, I was kind of probably sort of similar situation for me. But, but yeah, I never yeah. I never had it happen to me. So um, also, there are, uh, you can play online online multiplayer on these. But you can only play with like with your friends. You can't play ran- against random people, so that sort of sucks. You also cannot remap the buttons, which kind of sucks. Which because uh, it's sort of hard, they, they, they sort of have them mapped a little bit weird, and so the the way that it kind of feels natural that you want to play isn't what a lot of the games are mapped to. So definitely has a few downsides to this. Um, hopefully they they fix all this stuff because it is like like we said, it is a pretty impressive library that they have so far. Pretty dope, honestly. Um, okay, Sony has announced the PlayStation Classic. Oh, I didn't hear about this. Did you not hear about this? Um, yeah. So basically, it's the exact, it's it's the exact idea of the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic. Sony has announced the PlayStation Classic. It is a miniature PlayStation that comes preloaded with twenty games. Um, wow. It's coming out December third. Oh, that fast. That fast, yeah. However, it's going to cost $100. And they've only announced, um, I think, three three or four of the games that they're going to have. And just they're, they're already accepting pre-orders for this. Yikes. Um, so that's kind of weird. But the games that they've announced are Final Fantasy VII, Wild Arms, and Tekken 3. Interesting. There may have been one more that I missed. Why would they announce two RPGs? I, <laughs> I don't, I don't I'm not really. 
yeah, this this is one of those things that when you first see it, it's like, oh, sweet. And then you read the details and you're like, hold on, what? You're like, can we get a little bit more information? And plus, why is this going to cost $100? Yeah, that's real terms. Gosh, man, I, I'm happy they're doing it. But damn, $100 is a lot to drop on a classic system. Yeah. Oof. What are your thoughts? Uh, that is pretty much the exact same thing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll be really, I really want to see what the rest of the, you know, this means, I think this needs to be our next top five. What games we would want. Oh, they have one of them. That's for damn sure. (laughs) Let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and write this down for later. So I don't forget games we want on PlayStation classic. And also, also, can you ask them if. Connor loses on October sixth. <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a magic ball. Oh, I thought we were doing a top five questions. We're gonna ask the magic eight ball. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I get confused sometimes. A lot of times. All the time. I know. Were you? Um, I lost my notes. Mm. Notes? Oh no! I just <laughs> I just scrolled out too far. Let's see. It looks like... Okay. Only only other thing I have. This is not classic gaming related, but I just thought you would like to know about this. Of course you would. Um, the first fully uncensored game has been released on Steam. Interesting. Or the first fully uncensored game on Steam has been released. How what is it? That? It's called Negligé Love Stories. Okay. It's basically... I mean, you can... It's a... Uh, I think it's pretty much a hentai game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's like full oh, on. Oh, I think it's a hentai game. <coughs> Robert has in his library. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it's definitely considered hentai because I, hentai is like super hardcore, right? Hentai, this... I thought it was just animated porn or nudity. I didn't know. Okay. I, I thought. I, I don't know, though. I don't know either. I don't know if it has to be. <laughs> Not my specialty for once. I don't know if it has to be hardcore or if just like, you know, explicit nudity and sex counts. This, to my, this game, to my understanding, does have explicit nudity and sex um, everything and, I like so far. Everything. No, I mean, yeah, everything I like. I just don't know how intense it is, or if it, you know, if is, it's intense enough. Yeah, yeah. If it's intense enough to count as hentai, but you know, uh, Steam changed their guidelines so that that stuff is allowed now, and this is the uh, this is the first game to take advantage of that. So it's kind of interesting. I, it, it, I've, I'm, I'm kind of strongly opinionated about this. Like, I, I, I'm totally on board with them. Doing it. I, obviously, you know, you put restrictions in place so that certain people get access to it i get that but I, it drives me nuts how like when i like youtube prime example youtube when i try to listen to music how hard it is to find uncensored music sometimes it drives me nuts i'm like i hard? get it sometimes it depends if it's if it's not a lesser known group yes and it's really weird and a lot of times when i search for music the first thing that comes up is a censored version it's just like like i get it there's kids on youtube and stuff like that but at the same time like i don't know i just i i don't like the idea of like censoring certain types of art yeah, like, right. like, no, I agree. I I completely agree with you. Um, I don't know if I would go so far as this, as to consider it censorship when if you know when that stuff is not sold. But I but I get what you're saying. I get like the 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 same sort of idea. Uh, I do like that. It's kind of you don't have to that that you don't have to worry about your artistic freedom when if you know to, when you when it comes to trying to get something published on on Steam look at look at superhero movies i'm not a big superhero movie person at all i'm just not really my forte but what is what's crazy to me is like you look at all these movies that i would love to see them rated r so that they could do i think a much deeper they could dive much more into content with them 
And then we see Deadpool, which just goes balls deep and was a crazy successful and just oh, sure, yeah. amazing movie. Yeah. It's it just it irritates me. Like some of these movies that I see and I'm like, please be rated R, please be rated R. It's like PG thirteen. Jesus, like that, that puts so many restrictions on them. Yeah. It's just kind of annoying to me. Yeah, so it, it, I think this is cool. It'll be really interesting to see where this you know, if this blows up in any sure. way, how much. Um or if it stays like super niche, I'm I'm sort of it'll i'm interested to see how big this this kind of stuff gets uh but anyway that's all the news that's that's all we got for news it's been a nice night you want you want to do this again in two weeks yeah it's you know it's whatever okay i could take it or leave it actually i got some games that we can talk about if you want if you feel like it whoa you played a video game i did you can do that this is our Game of the quarter evening. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I thought you were Seriously, I'm so excited. Okay, I thought I didn't see that go in this direction. I thought it was. Oh yeah, that's right. Shit, I forgot to. No. Play. Oh, sorry. I just forgot about it. Like I, I just forgot. That we were I got gonna you. Talk about it I understand. So we'll save that for last. Oh well, no, let's do it first. Come on. All right. All right. Come on, no, no, no. Okay. Look. How about? Okay, you know, I'll, I'll let. I think we did it last last time, so I'll let you make the call this time. If you want to do it first, we'll do it first. I th- I would like to talk about it first, and the okay, way I would like to do it, it, if you're okay with it, is I was I would love for both of us to kind of talk about it because I think we can kind of ping pong off each other with, with certain certain pieces of it. Yeah, that that's sense. that that's cool. Yeah, okay. So so you want who do who should kick off this conversation? I'll kick it off. Okay, um, so why don't you introduce us? Just tell us what the game is. And, and, and you know what's funny? I was just thinking. Holy shit! I hope they play the right game. <laughs> uh, no, so I just, Super Mario uh, Three came out for NES. Uh, so Robert and I played uh, Quest for Glory One, which came out in 1989. Um, I assume this came out for PC initially. Yeah, yeah it was PC. Uh, this is made by Sierra, um, and I had to play it through DOSBox, which was a whole whole lot of fun. Um, this is so I, I guess this would be considered a point-and-click RPG. Is that how you categorize it? Yeah, it's a point-and-click adventure game slash RPG hybrid. Yeah. So I was very nervous going into this game because I am not a big point-and-click adventure person. I've only played... I don't have bad experiences with them. It's just never been an interest of mine. Um, Obviously, Robert talks about a lot of different ones that he enjoys and the different genres and everything about it. And a lot of times it it sounds interesting, but it never draws me in enough to actually play it. This is actually a very enjoyable game. I had no problems with the gameplay with how old it is there's just so many so so much of it that i was so concerned going into it and no um i will start by saying the music was very good i loved the i I thought that when when i started the game that the one soundtrack was just going to be on repeat you know just just due to limitations but there's unique music for almost every single zone when you go into uh when you go into like the, the magician's house uh, the music changes to something that sounds kind of mysterious. And when you're in the forest, the music changes. When you're in the town, it's a little bit different. I will say some of the soundtracks, I don't know if it was maybe my version of the game, were kind of low quality and it at times kind of hurt my ears. Uh, there were certain, I guess, I want to say, I guess they're instruments that were in the music um, that with the sound quality that I had were, it was kind of irritating at times. But overall, I was actually really impressed with the soundtrack. So... The idea of the game, it's a point-and-click adventure. Obviously, you have the ability to uh, look at items. You have the ability to wander around. You have the ability to talk to people. And then you have the ability to touch things. Did I, did I say touch things? You um, can touch, talk, move, and look at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So you can, obviously, the game kind of starts, and there's these two dudes chilling on this this footstep, and you can talk to him. One of them is, is he the mayor, the governor? I, the think, guy, it was the, the I think it was the sheriff. Sheriff, that's right. No, you're right. It was a sheriff. Um, so the, there's two guys chilling on this, this um, doorstep, and you, you can talk to them. Uh, what I love, one thing I noticed immediately is if you try to interact with certain doors, it'll say, like, it's locked. And the person who owns the house is right there. I wouldn't do anything weird. It, it more or less says that. It's, it's kind of funny, especially if you... Like if if you go to the first screen to the left, there's an old woman who's sitting on her porch step. Right. And if you like, you can walk up and talk to her and interact with her a little bit. And if you try to open her door, it says something like that, where it's like, it's locked, and the person who owns the house is right there. I probably wouldn't try anything. Yeah, like, I think. Well, that's, yeah, obviously. Well, I think. Yeah, no, it is funny, but I think that the reason they did that is because, uh, I believe if you play a thief character, then yes. you can break into houses, Lock and it. it's probably yes. like a warning, like, hey. You know, just so you know, because, you know, maybe, you know, back in 1989, people might not think, oh, the game is smart enough. It's just funny. You're you're dead on. I think that's exactly what it's for. So I did two, uh, well, I didn't play through, but I did two attempts through. Um, I played a thief and I played a fighter. Uh, I I played a fighter initially because I I figured it would be the easiest class to do um, just because I I looked looked at fighting and stuff and I was like, okay, I probably want to play a fighter. Like I wanted to play something really basic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fighter is exactly that. It's very, very, very sturdy, can do a lot of damage. Um, and the second time I played a thief, and the thief was really interesting. I actually would love to explore this game a little bit more uh, because one of the things I noticed is there is a difference of opportunities based on night and day. Or, oh, okay. And oh, okay. I don't, know, I don't know if you noticed that, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's certain things you can definitely do at night. There's certain interactions, certain things happen uh, that, that don't happen during the day. On top of that, I noticed that you have... Uh, a success rate of creeping around and, and sneaking into people's houses at night. So interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. So I let's see. Actually, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit if you want to kind of take the lead from here. Well, um, I, you know, I'll back up just a little bit. So the uh, first of all, I'm very happy to to hear that you liked it so much. Um, the 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 game is based on. So as you said, it's basically a point and click adventure game, but it has a heavy RPG element as well. You arrive at this town and basically, I don't even know if there's much of a story. You kind of just like want to become a hero sort of, don't exactly. you? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so you talk to the sheriff. He's like, oh yeah, there's, there's these bandits that have been robbing, <laughs> you know, people and that kind of stuff. And then you go around and talk to people and you can cause it's more or less kind of get other quests. They'll tell you about other stuff yep. that's going on around the town, like other people that are causing trouble and whatnot. And, that's sort of just it, and then you're, and then you just. That's what I liked about it. <laughs> okay. You just kind of get dropped in. It's like do stuff, and then you talk to people. It's like D and D. Like you walk up to people, they're like, "Hey, uh, my ring's missing. If you get it, I'll give you this item." You're like, "Ah, okay, maybe." Oh, hey, my cat's missing. Can you go find it? Like, ah, okay, maybe. Like there's just so many just opportunities. I feel like. I did not really like that aspect of the game. Mm. I like there to. I, I kind of liked it for it to be one extreme or the other. I like really open, almost like sandboxy games. Um, and not so much sandbox, but I'm thinking of stuff like, uh, like dwarf fortress, for instance, or is that a dungeon crawler? No, it, it's, um, it's not a dungeon crawler. What's it called? Oh no, that's what I was thinking. Like, um, into the dungeon. Isn't it like into the dungeon? No, like no, 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 oh, no, okay. no, Nothing like that. Oh, okay. uh, but it's, is that the one that's text based. Well, it's it's ASCII graphics. ASCII, yeah, that's yeah. what it's called. 
It's 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 sort of like a survival game, and, and survival games are kind of another genre that that are very similar that I also do really like. Uh, Dwarf Fortress is kind of I won't go too much into Dwarf Fortress, but basically, you start off with a couple of dwarves, and then you're basically building up a fortress and trying to make it into a big awesome fortress, and that's that's all there is to it, and trying to survive against goblin attacks and raids and giant monsters and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that is a game, for instance, that's. Very, very open-ended. Uh, I get, you know, a lot of the Paradox games also, like uh, like Europa Universalis and, and uh, Crusader Kings 2, very open-ended. You just kind of play, and w- the, the fun of it is kind of seeing what kind of crazy stuff happens while you're playing, which is similar to Dwarf <laughs> Fortress. Um, I like that kind of stuff, and I also like it where, where there's a definite direction where you're going. And I find that, especially for point-and-click adventure games, I really really have to have a good sense of direction or else I get bored super fast. Interesting. Um, this game, I felt like there was, there was basically no story and there was no direction. And what I hate in adventure games is having to walk around and talk to a million people to figure out what I need to be doing. That is one of my criticisms of this game, for sure. I will say, what I like about the openness, and one of the things that always concerns me about playing point-and-click adventures, is I just don't want to be on this railroad. I felt like, like when I played Myst when I was a kid, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I just remember it being very one path the entire time. You're basically clicking around until you find what you need to do. Whereas in this game, like I feel like you had options to look around and choose the quest that you wanted to do. Because one of the things we didn't mention is there, there's a point system. And every time you do certain things, you gain points. And the objective is to get 500 points. And so I like the fact that you could kind of wander around. You could go to the forest. You could walk through the forest, go to the potion shop, get a quest there. You could go back to the main town, talk to different people, locate different quests. Yes, I will agree with you. There wasn't much direction, which was annoying at times because I hated that part of going to each zone, talking to everybody, having to load each freaking zone over and over and over, go through all the different interactions with the talking because... When you interact with somebody, you talk to them. There's so many different options, and a lot of times when you click on one, there's more within that one. And oh, that right. <laughs> yeah, really annoying at times. The dialogue but, is is really kind of weird in this game. Interesting. It's uh, there were so many puns though. Did you talk to the magician? Um, Ramus and I forget what the I think that I was the rat's so. name. I don't remember. Oh, I don't think God. so. Dude, he's talking. He's talking trash on this this uh, witch who I don't know if you, her name's. Babuga or something? I don't think I met her either. Oh, it's a house with chicken legs. No joke. (laughs) It's like a cabin with chicken legs. Nice. And he's talking shit about her being a bad conjurer, and he goes, she doesn't practice safe hex. (laughs) Nice. No joke. I was like, what did he just... This is 1989. Like, the fuck? I was one years old. You can't talk like that. There was a book. I'm pretty sure it was in the original Monkey Island that uh, that the voodoo lady had that you could see like in her uh, in her voodoo lady house, and it was called The Joy of Hex. Oh my god! What? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So uh, what else? So so combat. Combat really threw me for a loop, though. So I thought combat was going to be turn based. Well, what what you (laughs) don't know is when you. Yeah, I got punished by that super. I learned two yeah. things real quick. One, combat's not turn-based, so if you don't go, they're going to keep going. The second thing is, if you're out of stamina, you die. Yeah, I you don't, you don't just pass times. out or whatever. You yeah, straight up die. Uh, so I, I learned to save often. I learned don't fight when you don't have stamina, and if you're low on stamina, run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yep. and try to get back to make town. sure to click your attack button very, very fast. Yeah, the, the combat is really... so so. I, so, so this is where the the RPG element comes in. So you you're playing it. It is a point and click adventure game at its core, 
But then, particularly when you're wandering around the woods to, you know, go to a different location or maybe mm-hmm. even to try to find the bandits or whatever it is, you'll have encounters with bad guys. And that's where the RPG element comes in. Um, you'll fight them with whatever means available. Obviously, if you're a fighter, you'll just, you know, do, you know, pretty, pretty much straightforward fighting. If you're a magician, you can Destroy cast spells. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of, it's sort of like a very simplified, almost kind of like a, like punch out system where you're kind of waiting for them to drop their guard. Like they'll have oh, a shield or something like that. I didn't like even that. catch on to this. Did you, what? Not, did you not notice that? Yeah. I just you, click buttons until they <laughs> fell. <laughs> yeah. If you wait until like the right time, then you'll, then you'll, then you're more likely to do damage. Jesus. Oh so, man, I feel dumb. But basically you're just sitting there like clicking on a little icon to tell them to attack, which is. It's not a fantastic combat system, really. It's actually a little bit rough, um, but yeah, that's 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 where combat comes into play. And I forgot because it was like a month and a half ago when I actually played this. Do you get any loot or anything? I don't think you do from from beating bad guys. Um, I think you get gold. I think that was the only thing I. Oh, got. that sounds gold. right. Okay, I part of the reason that I'm so happy that you like this game is because I really did not like this game. Wow. I really respect what it did. It's a very cool idea, and I've I, I'm I really feel that if I had played this when it came out originally, and I had much more patience for games in general, I really think I probably would have liked it. But as it is, playing it today, I had to really push myself to keep on playing this for a while. I just did not enjoy almost any of it. It uh. It falls into so many problems that, you know, I think a lot of Sierra games had and where it's like, uh, like kind of, I guess mostly like we were talking earlier, where it felt so aimless and I don't want to have to go around and spend an hour talking to people in a village just to get started on the story, you know? I will 100% agree with you on that. That was really frustrating at times. Yeah, and there's and then there are situations where you can die very easily with essentially no warning. <laughs> like there were these, I came across these uh, these guys that were robbing me in an alley at one point, and uh, they they came up and he was like, "Give me all your money, or else I'm going to kill you." And I was trying to figure out a way like out of the situation. I was like, "I wonder if I can attack," because this is before I had gotten into any combat. I was like, "I wonder if like." this is how combat happens. And I was trying to figure out a way to fight the guys. And I was like looking around my inventory and on the menu system and all this stuff. I think I know where this is going. And then they just killed. And then they just killed. <laughs> yep, there <me>. it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saved a lot. I saved often. I saved a lot. Did you, uh, oh, so you didn't go to the magician's tower. No, I did not go to the magician's uh, tower. So I didn't get that far. There, there's one section. If you go through, if you go through the woods far enough, you get to this, this road and like a sign pops up and it's in another language. You're like okay, and then you keep walking. Another one pops up, and it's like turn back. I think, or no, it's like if you approach, you'll be turned into a frog. And then you're like, okay, so you walk up this tower stairs, and then there's this gargoyle, and he's he's like, who are you? Like, are you a hero? And then he's like, asks you. He asks you three questions. He's like, what's your name? And the right answer is unnamed hero. And there's like other ones, like you can name like I'm the Wizard of Oz or something. <laughs> um, and if you get it wrong, he just teleports you back to the beginning. And then uh, he like asks you a second question. Um, it's like, why are you here? Or, and you're like, I want to become a hero. And then the last question is like crazy shit. It's like, how fast does an African fall, uh, swallow fly? <laughs> and, and I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, okay. So I'm like going through all these questions. I, I had to like load over and over and over until I got it right. <laughs> and which was really annoying. And then you get inside 
And it, it, it's a quest. It's part of the main story. Um, but it's really annoying because you get in there and he tells you about this item that you need. And you're like, okay, cool. And he tells you it's somewhere in his house. So you start looking at his house. If you touch anything or go anywhere other than go to see him directly, you just get teleported out. Oh, you have to really? come back at a later time. Yeah, you need some sort of... Uh, I, I think you either need a, a way to, to... The guy who kicks you out, I think you need either sub, uh, subdue him somehow or you need a way to like cloak yourself or become invisible or something. It's, that's the only way you can get through the house without them. Or like maybe if you go at night. I didn't think about that. But yeah, so that was one of those things. I was like, oh, cool. I finally like found a lead and I was really excited and get going. And I'm like, <laughs> I just hit a dead end. And I'm like... Oh. That I don't know. It's it's a fun game. It, it, I I think it's fun. I would be curious to see if the rest of the series is as, is better. Have you played? No, I haven't. I haven't played any of them. This, this is the oh, first I'm time surprised. I've played any of them. Yeah. Um, a couple more things I want to point out. The day night cycle is kind of cool uh, in theory, <laughs> but I found it very annoying. Um, because <laughs> like if you are, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but if you're out of if you're outside of the town. Uh, and you don't get back before night, mm-hmm. then you're locked out of the town. And if you don't have um, like stamina, basically is the kind of the main thing or, or health, right, yeah. you know, for that matter, then you have to make sure you avoid getting in any fights whatsoever. Uh, but you know, all night long or else you're just going to die from either exhaustion or from just from getting killed. But <laughs> there was one time where I got locked out of town. I was like, Oh shit. And so, I went to a spot and you can sleep anywhere, anytime, or I don't know if anywhere, anytime, but you can like, do you have a, a button that just like tells them to go to sleep? And so I went to sleep and then it said like, all right, somebody killed you in your sleep. <laughs> 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 so that was a game over. Um, I died a lot. I died a lot as well. This it's game, so funny. One thing, and I, to 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 uh to be clear, I I remember that Simon the Sorcerer is not a Sierra game. Thank you again, uh, to our listener Simon for pointing that out. But this game actually reminded me a lot of Simon the Sorcerer in that you have to like navigate these incredibly confusing woods to get to oh, yeah. random ass places. It's such a bitch to try to remember how to get to any given place or to know if. The place you're at is an important place, or if you should even care. Simon the Sorcerer did the exact same thing, of course, without having, you know, without like the battles, without the random encounters while you're doing that. But uh, I really did not like that. I another thing that I don't like in point and click adventure games is basically any situation where it's easy to get lost. Uh, that I don't like. And finally, the <laughs> the has this game has a hilarious running animation did you did you ever use the running i actually i don't think i noticed it (laughs) dude you thought running was funny in uh in siphon filter oh this guy this guy is is like the siphon filter guy's master (laughs) look at this here i'll i actually have it pulled up he like leans forward like super hard He's like leaning forward as hard as he can and then running at like a moderate pace. <laughs> he like leans forward at like more than a 45 degree angle. It looks amazing. What? It looks like he's about to, it looks like he's like came from a, what do you call it? Like a football prep position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from like on the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, there's, there's a sneak, there's a way you can sneak also. I, I actually don't remember if that one looks nearly as good. But I just remember running looks fucking hilarious. 
<laughs> but uh oh, you know there was there's also uh, I think a situation if I remember correctly where there's the bar in town. And if you order a drink, if you order the wrong, there's a drink that it'll just kill you when you drink it. Yeah, there's actually, there's a, yeah, I've run into a handful of items like that so far in the game that are, you're just like, oh, that's kind of interesting, dead. Oh, okay. So how far did you get, roughly? I I don't know, I, I got a little over 100 points, so I don't really know how far is far, though. Because I was like, hmm. oh, I don't feel like I'm that far, but I have 100, 100 I'm 20% of the way through the game, theoretically, right? Because you only need 500 points, but... I didn't complete any of the main quests. I was working towards several of them, but I couldn't figure them out. Sure, yeah. That I feel like that's probably, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I feel like you may have been close to sort of hitting that wall where it's like, oh, you got to find some bullshit way to advance in this or that quest because now you're hitting the confusing stuff. Exactly. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. But I, anyway, I just did not enjoy um, playing this game. But I'm gl- I'm really glad to hear that you did. Yeah, it was fun. It was a nice change of pace. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what our uh, what our listeners have to say if if any of them played it in the uh, once we oh, get one to of emails. us is going to be berated for it, and the other one's going to be right. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So there's uh, there's Quest for Glory. That was I'm I'm glad we played it. It was an interesting game. It was it's definitely a unique one. I'm, I wanted to eventually play that series. I think this was a good. This was a really good way to do it. I'm glad that you. I'm played still it as surprised well. it's your first time playing one of the, uh, yeah one game out of the series. Um, actually, maybe sh- should I go ahead and go through emails to see what people said about this, or should I wait save all that for the sure. email section? You think so? I, I mean, we're doing everything out of order, so fuck it. All right, I'm gonna. What s- gonna do? <laughs> I'm gonna go to. Um, I'm gonna try to find only. Uh, oh, I wouldn't do that. No, no. no. Okay, then then that. let's just save it. That's too much work. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Okay, do you have any... I've got a couple other games to talk about. Do you have any others that, that, that you played, yeah. or is that it? Okay. Well, what we talked about recently, Robert, you know, do you want me to go, or do you want to do you want to flip a coin? What do you want to do? Go ahead. Um. So, coincidentally enough, so uh, I've been playing... Uh, I was telling you, I've been playing Breath of the Wild on the Wii U, but on my buddy's Wii U... He also has a bunch of old Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games installed to the actual uh, console controller, so I can play them as if I'm using a Game Boy. Sure. And after you talked about Advance Wars so positively last time, <laughs> I wanted to oh, play wow. it again. So I, I've talked about um, Advance Wars 2 Black Hole Rising probably, I don't even know, a couple years ago on the podcast now. Um, but I decided to play Advance Wars 1 again just because I, I, I play Black Hole Rising from time to time. And every time I do, I'm like, it's been too recent. I can't play this again yet. Like, I, I, it's been too recent. I got to give it more time. So I was like, oh, so I'll play the first one. That'll kind of get that itch going. And Advanced Wars 1 is, is such a fun game. It is obviously has very similar elements to the second one with some minor things that were, I wouldn't say their quality of life, but they there were definitely some simpler things we were in regards to the campaign. And this is actually something you brought up last time, which surprised me. And I, it still kind of surprised me when I played this time which was the limitations on who, which characters you could play for the actual campaign. Okay. And I totally forgot about that. And I forgot that there, there are certain restrictions because in the, in the second one, I believe you can play just about anybody you want in the campaign, or there's, there's a much wider amount of characters you can play. Um, you can essentially play that like Andy's team is the red team and he has five or six different characters. And uh, Max has his own team of characters and Sammy has their own uh, type of characters that can, they can all be played. And so I was a little annoyed by that because I love the variation. Oops, sorry. I love the variation in characters because they have 
they have different benefits uh, uh, for playing them. Like, and Sandy's also changed in the second one as well. So that got kind of annoying because playing through the campaign because I love I love being able to go from level to level and just switch characters because it just keeps it keeps interesting because generally speaking in RTSs and campaign mode it's a rinse and repeat type situation you macro the early game well you you scout you expand you macro you build up units and you push mm-hmm. generally speaking unless you're trying to play aggressive and greedy and you go for the kill early on and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. I will say the AI is not as good in the first one as it is in the second one. Not that it's spectacular, but I feel like in the first one, the AI generally just has massive advantages, and that's the only reason why it's it's challenging. It's it's not really challenging; it just takes time, it's just kind of time consuming. Uh, but enough shit talking about this game because holy crap, these games are so fun. I love <laughs> Advance Wars. I am actually really amazed that more of these haven't actually. Stand by. Okay. I, I haven't heard of one. I thought there may have been a third one. A third advanced one? Oh, Wars? that's right. There was a third one, and it wasn't very good. There was I a third haven't. one? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it was about it, but it just... It, it was, oh, they, they, they took the cartoony style away from it and made a somewhat realistic look to it. Yeah. I tried playing a... Um, a I tried playing this game a couple times. This is one of those games that I bought day one. I was like, I love the second one. Love the first one. There's no way it can be bad. Pooped on. 100% pooped on. Here's, here's what the, the box art looks like. I mean, you just look at this box art and tell me you don't you don't feel see. bad about it. Uh, but Advanced Wars 1, super fun you, game. I don't Love these strategy games. It's going to take a little bit to okay. download. But for anybody who hasn't played it and is considering on playing it, I would suggest playing the second one. I feel... Look at the art. Do you see it now? Yeah. Like, that just... They took away the cartoony style and added this realistic kind of touch. Yeah. One of the things I love about, about Advanced Wars is... The ridiculousness of certain things when certain vehicles fire and they they shake and they shoot off the ground or they, they jump off the ground. There's big puffs of smoke and yeah, uh, wasn't wasn't too keen on the, the graphic changes. Hmm. Uh, but anyways, what I was gonna say is, if anybody is going to play Advanced Wars, I would suggest playing the second one. I think the quality of life, which isn't too much, there there's some slight changes that they made in the second one. I think the variants and characters you can use and just kind of the overall game, I think, is just better i think it's just a better game and robert if you enjoyed the first one i think you will only enjoy the second one even more like okay. I, I think it would be very unlikely you wouldn't enjoy it um but advanced source one is still a great game it does hold up if, if you like rts's and you don't mind that's not, graphics, it's not an it, rts is it not oh yeah because it's not real time <laughs> that would be yeah turn base good call um yeah but if you enjoy turn base uh strategy games this is an amazing one, and I'm I'm really I now I know why they didn't make another one after this because this one probably flopped because they did something stupid. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, Advanced Wars One still really really fun game. I would definitely suggest it to anybody who likes the style of gameplay. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Guys, right, is that all you got? Yeah, Doc. Okay, I have I've got two games. Let's go with. Say, pick one or two. Before I do that, I want to mention something. I forgot about this. Okay. Quest for Glory. Did you know you can import and export your characters? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From 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 like the first one to the second one, and so on. Yeah, how cool is that? I yeah, didn't know that. I, I did. I did. I did know that. That is pretty sweet. I was reading about that. I was like, that's pretty advanced. It really is for back then. Yeah, especially. Anyways, you said number one or number two? Yeah, I don't. You know, I need. I need. I need I'm more help. of a number two type number guy. Two guy. Here. All right, Super Mario World. Oh, for, for Super Nintendo? Hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, amazing game. On to the next one. 
It's no, like, disgusting game. There's nothing else to say. I mean, Super Mario World, I still believe, is the best Mario game. It just has... Oh. The graphics are, are really cool. It's got the perfect, like, classic style video game graphics, of course. Uh, that, that signature Super Nintendo look. The colors in it are amazing. The game is fun. The game mechanics are fun. The controls are fantastic. It has it introduces new mechanics into uh, into the Mario series, such as I guess I guess mostly like having a little dude that you can ride around named Yoshi, and then him eating stuff and blowing out fireballs and things like that. It's got a uh, and flying. Yeah, well, flying was in Super Mario Three. No, because you could you could eat certain creatures and fly with them. Oh, oh, you're talking about with with Yoshi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With oh, Yoshi, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, lots of different types of environments. The level design is fantastic. There's all sorts of levels, and they're all designed really well. I mean, I don't want to spend time just going into detail about how different levels are designed and stuff, but you but you know what I mean, right? I mean, they're just oh yeah. Oh, this is such just, a perfect game. It is. I mean, that's it. Really, is sort of like a perfect right. game almost. And what's also cool is. How much hidden stuff there is in this game. Oh, yes. Star World. Or what's it called? Star Road? Uh, yeah. No, uh, oh, gosh. Now, I, I was going to say Star I World. I think it's called Star Road because it's, yeah, almost positive it's Star Road. I think you're probably right now. The, uh, the keys. The keys and finding the hole. Like, there, yep. that game is so Yeah, finding the, the keys play. and the hidden holes and all that. and Hidden holes. <laughs> and different, like, some even, like, non-Star Road hidden levels that'll kind of, like, go off to the side and take you to, like, yeah. a different part of the That's map or whatever. Houses have that, right? Um, I, I feel like it probably was mostly the ghost houses, but definitely not only the ghost houses. And then also remember there's, <coughs> excuse me, there's the, there's the giant switches that you can find that oh, will turn yeah. the different color blocks on in each world. Otherwise it's just yeah. like an empty space where the block would be. Um, that's such a good game. It's, it's. The quintessential Mario game, I feel like. And it is, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, there, I don't know what else to say about it without just going into a million details, but <laughs> it's just so fun. Everything about it, the design, the look, the play, the feel, the the difficulty is just right. I mean, it could be maybe a little bit harder because like, for instance, the final boss, you know, the final Bowser battle I beat on my first try, basically with no problem whatsoever. All of the, uh. At least ninety nine percent of all the bosses were were pretty easy, um, but still, I mean, that didn't even I didn't even care because the all of the game itself was so fun. I guess actually, this was the was this the oh first? you beat it oh yeah is this the first one that had ghost houses or or haunted oh, mansions so. haunted houses um and so yeah I didn't even think about that yeah so it introduced the haunted houses into the series. And the ghosts, of course. Well, Boos, were Boos not in 3? But they were. I think they were. Pretty sure they're I, in three. I think yeah, they yeah, were, now that you say that, yeah. Yeah, I, they're definitely in 3. Yeah, I guess they were. Um, anyway, but, regardless. Yeah. Super amazing game. I don't want to spend much more time because everybody basically already well, knows that. I would say something that, that a lot of, for people who have played, obviously, uh, most, most people I know who have played a lot of Mario games back in the day, they played one, two, and three. If you liked three, this is like, imagine three, but substantially better. Oh, yeah. More it's balanced. like three was such a huge yeah. jump from everything before it. And then this was like an equal jump from three. Yeah. 
it's like you stepped like you skipped like two rungs on the ladder. Like the I love the fact that you can have multiple items in a single level. I love that you can trade your items based on your needs. I, I love the variance in levels. Some levels are really quick and other levels are more in depth. I love the finishing. I love the goals because they're just these two big ass goalposts with this bar that's going up and down. And if you reach the bar at the top, you get a bonus item. And it's just like it almost kind of retracts right. from from the art style of the game because it's just so bizarre to see it. It's just <laughs> yeah. That game is so fun, and I, I think the, the difficulty is really comes from trying to figure out all the bonus um, items and levels. I don't think the actual difficulty... Like you said, the game is not difficult, but I think exploring it, trying to figure out all these little secrets is, is the difficulty that they were going for, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a good point. I didn't really think about it that way, but uh, I, think you're, I think you're kind of probably right. I think the pacing of the game is perfect too, because the first world is really easy. It's it's very rewarding, and one one of my favorite things is when you finish the level. I love the music, but when you when you do the first um, explanation <laughs> point, the, the, the button. What are they called? What were you calling them? The I think they call uh, them switches. Switches. Even though they're when just, you do the first they switch, are buttons, you get this text like it's so encouraging, and you're like, oh okay, like here we go. I'm starting my adventure. Like it, it's it's like the end of the tutorial. <laughs> if you will. Yeah, and then you get to the second world, and it's just it's it, it, the pacing of the game is great. It I is, never got to is. a point where I was, it just substantially goes up in difficulty to where you want to stop playing. It's just like, okay, what the hell could happen in the next level or the next world? Or, you know, there's just there's so much to it for such a, such a simple game. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the music because I neglected to mention the music. Oh my God, it's so good. Perfect. <laughs> it is so fun all the, all the time. Uh, even even like underground levels and haunted house levels, it's still, oh, yeah. even when it's supposed to be kind of like a little spooky, it's still fun. You made me think of one. the uh, the that music when you finish a level. Do 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 do. It's oh my gosh, it's so perfect. What an awesome game! Seriously, one of the, one of the best my, ever. My favorite, enemy, my favorite enemy is the fish that when it sees you goes oh oh come here come here come here and it fucking runs at you. You're like no, go away, go. Oh away. yeah, those things are so annoying. It's like a stage five clinger. Hey, my... come here, let me show you something. No, go away. <laughs> um, my favorite is the. Uh... The dolphins with goggles. Yeah, dude, how funny they look. <laughs> they are awesome. And they just look so happy to be a dolphin just jumping around in the water. With goggles. With goggles, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is such a great game. Good. I'm, I'm, what's crazy is I'm amazed at how short our discussion of that game is because of how <laughs> freaking fun it is. I have played through that game numerous times. 100% of it numerous times. Mm-hmm. And I would love to play it again today. Yeah. Those uh, games. SNES Drunk said that he 100% it once a year. That's fine with tactics. Seriously. Yeah. Like that, I, and I have, when I, I actually am so excited when I get to the point where I, I am like, I haven't played tactics in a year. And I get that like butterflies in my stomach and I'm like, oh my God, okay, calm down, calm down. I'm too excited. <laughs> but then, then I play it and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll play for like 30 minutes and I'll be like, okay, it's still a great game. And then I'm like, later, like a couple days later, I'll play it again. I don't binge it for like eight hours. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Like, I'm already through the second chapter. Oh, shit. I got to slow down. <laughs> I got to slow down. Yeah, dude. dude. dude you got to enjoy it. Um, you know what else is really cool? Another thing about it is the 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 world map is is really awesome on this one. What do you like about it? What, it's what, just what so... I, I like the detail, and there's lots yeah. of fun little features all over the place. Like, M- Super Mario 3 had a world map. But think about that one compared to this one. It's, oh, it's so they both, limited. In yeah, it's so limited. They both accomplish basically the same thing, but this one is just so much more fun. It's got so much more variety. Yeah, uh, you can travel between worlds, right? Because um, you can't do that in three. 
three, you can only go forward. You can't, well, I guess you could go backwards if you used a whistle. Or no, you can't. No, yeah, yeah you, you can't, can't go, go backwards back. with the whistle. Yeah, and this one, you can literally go to any level at any time. You can go to any level. You can always backtrack and stuff. And there's, you know, some places are connected by bridges or islands, whereas, whereas three was very... Uh, much more. It was, ut- it, was, it, was, it was more utilitarian. It's like the next space here it is. It's the next spot yep. over. This one's like, oh, you, you got to climb up this little ladder to get the next spot, or like you know, go across ah, man, a bridge. Stop it! You're making me want to play this. <laughs> so uh, okay, Super Mario World, amazing game. The other game that I played was, uh, I was trying to think of a way to to uh, to quiz you to see if you can figure it out, but I got nothing. It was Crazy Taxi. Oh, what would you? Oh, you have a Dreamcast. I got a dream. I have a Dreamcast. That's right. That's right. Oh man, what'd you think? So when when I remember when Crazy Taxi came out, and it was uh, I guess it was shortly after Grand Theft Auto came out. Really? No way. I thought that came out way. No, you're right. No, this was no, no, no. I'm sorry. You're right. I don't know why I thought that. This was before three. Well, you're talking about three, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto three. But this definitely yeah, did come out. Definitely came out before. Yeah, you're right. It did come out before that, and I don't know why I thought that. There, there must have been some other game because I specifically remember some other game, and I was Similar. always, yeah, well, yeah, and I was always like, it was like a taxi game or something, and I remember thinking, you know, Grand Theft Auto Three already has a taxi game inside it, so why do I need a specific taxi game? Um, I played it arcade a lot before I got it. Remember the arcade, dude? There were lines at the arcade to play Crazy Taxi. Okay, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, I think uh, what I'm thinking of was the PlayStation port of Crazy Taxi. They had a PlayStation port of it. I'm sorry, the PlayStation Two. Um, oh, okay. When that oh, did not that, would make sense. that okay. did not come out until a little bit later. So yeah, okay. So this is what I'm thinking of. Okay, so I yeah, so I never played this on Dreamcast. It, it did come out originally before, um, before Grand Theft Auto Three. But I, okay, but. I didn't really have access to it. I do remember when this came out on PlayStation 2, which was after Grand Theft Auto 3. And back to my original story, I, I always was kind of like, yeah, it seems like an okay game, but I have Grand Theft Auto 3. You can do taxi missions in Grand Theft Auto 3. Yep. So I already have a game that does that. And something kind of tells me, I bet Grand Theft Auto 3 maybe even does it better than Crazy Taxi. So that was debatable. That was my line of thinking. And now going back and playing Crazy Taxi, I my original line of thinking was for me 100% correct. Wow. I did not like Crazy Taxi very much at you all. You like the Offspring? Uh, the Offspring I used to. <laughs> I used to like him when I was in like 6th grade. <gasps> How dare you. Um I don't mean that in a pejorative way i just they I, listen I, to our podcast, I seriously was I, I really was a big offspring fan in like fifth and sixth grade but uh man i just didn't have much fun with this game it's, it seemed extremely limited to me so yes. so the gameplay is you're driving around it, it's you're driving around a taxi you pick one of like three or four characters and you go around and pick people up and drive them around the city and drop them off to earn money and uh there are a couple different modes you can play you can play one where you uh, have a certain amount of time, I believe, and you're trying to see how much money you can yep. earn in a certain amount of time. Or there's you also another can one. Extend your time too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then there's another one where it's um you have. Oh, okay. No, I think this other one is. I think the other one is the one where you extend your time. If I remember correctly, you have oh, okay. you, you do it until. 
You, you so, have to run out of time in the main mode. Yeah, know. yeah, but 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 in the other one, it's you start off with like less time, and then as you complete jobs, you basically earn more time. Hmm. Whereas I think in the other mode that I was talking about at first, like you have a flat amount of time, and then you just see how much money you can earn in five minutes. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. Um, so it's got those both of those modes, and then it's got some other special modes where you do like jumps and stuff, and try to get you know from one end to this of this sort of like almost kind of like obstacle course to the other, um, in a certain amount of time. The game is it was originally an arcade an arcade game, as you yep. said. So it's very 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 arcadey. You're flying all over the place, ju- doing jumps, like crashing into cars. None of that matters. You're almost expected to. You even get bonuses from like getting if you get really close to a car without crashing into it, you get like extra money for doing stuff like that. Um, there's also a whole bunch of product placement like everywhere. People will be like, "Take me to KFC or like Pizza Hut or the Levi's store." I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's like a- every other destination is some sort of actual brand <laughs> store that they that they want you to go to. Um, and then. The other notable thing is, uh, as you mentioned, there's there's Offspring playing in the background the whole time, which is kind of cool. But that's the it's, entire... It's, it's a good song for that game, I feel like. But that's the whole game. You're just yeah. picking up somebody and driving them like 45 seconds. And it's not like a huge city either. It's like a no. almost kind of small <laughs> city. Actually, I think if you get to one end, it just repeats the other side, doesn't it? Like, I'm uh, not sure. I never really paid close enough attention. I think it's... Kind of random. I could be wrong, but I thought it was kind of random. Well, it feels small. At least it felt small. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think that's that's why I think it feels small. It's because it's repetitive. Like, Maybe so. But uh, and that's the entire game. Yep. I got bored of it very fast. Oh, I would too. I mean, it's it's it is what it is. I mean, that, that I, I haven't played it in years. It's been it's been a little bit, but I did spend a lot of time playing it in the arcade, and I did have a Dreamcast, and I played this a lot. Gotcha. So you so you don't think. It sounds like you kind of feel like you might also not feel like it holds up very well if you were to play it today. Probably not, but I would still rather do that than play the taxi version in GTA. Oh, I, really? I, would you? I fucking hate the driving of GTA. It's so... Fr- like, you hate the driving? Ta- yeah, in 3, wow. I, I thought it was so clunky and just... I got pretty good at it, but like the thing that drove me nuts about doing it in that game is if you dinged up your taxi too much and it caught fire, you just lose. Because your car explodes and you can't do the tax <laughs> missions if you don't have a taxi. That's fun, though. No, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Like that's, it was so irritating. You can get completely bullshitted, too, because if you're trying to go somewhere and some jackass makes a left turn while the light is red, like, come on, dude. You hit him and then your car catches fire or you hit something else. Or you hit a police then you, car. Then you chase him down, pull him out of his car, and shoot him and then steal his car. Yeah, but his car can't be used as a taxi. You have to use a taxi. You use his car to go find another taxi. Okay. You're right on that front. But regardless, I would still run. I mean, if, if I wanted to do taxi service, I would just play crazy taxi. Because it's, okay. you just literally drive super fast, hit everything, don't give a shit, <laughs> and you're still, you can still win. Even though I did do the taxi service in GTA 3 a lot. I so, did that, the firefighting one, and the ambulance one. So you don't like the driving in GTA 3 in general, or just not, not the taxi driving? Yeah, for the most part. I, wow, interesting. Still, I, lo- I love, I always loved the driving in GTA 3. I don't know. It's just... It's annoying. I, I like certain. I like the motorcycles. The motorcycles are super fun, <laughs> and I like doing the planes. The planes were they were super complex, and I, I really. Oh yeah, like they were really hard in the, in, the in GTA Three. Yeah. Yeah, like the Dodo the, the, and flying the tanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, I don't know. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I just it was just so limited that I just 
It was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then five minutes later, you're like, well, I've played the entire game now. Yep. It was fun to watch people play it, too, especially when it's like close calls. You're like, damn, that was close. <laughs> I'd rather play G- Gran Turismo 3. There you go. For, for driving. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. I'm sure. I, I mean, I haven't played it, but that's basically, I mean. So. That's the, the whole point of that game is to have great driving, basically, right? And to lap people so many times that you start pulling out. Like, oh my god, there were certain people. I would do, so GTA, uh, Grand Turismo 3 has hour-long race, hours-long races sometimes, like yeah. several hours. And you're, you're doing like 120 to 300 laps or something. And there are certain people that I would just be with, over, like in a series, I would run into the same people and I would just be so irritated. And these are AI. And I'd get to a point where <clears throat> I would have just, just a crazy car and I'd start lapping people like eight, nine, ten times middle of a race i would start laughing them. and there's certain people i would just start punishing them in, in gran turismo i get in front of them break force them into corners and just hold them there for like extended <laughs> periods of time back up in like you, you you get you make make them hit you and then you drive into them and keep pushing them into walls and stuff just torture so fun <laughs> nice so fun so there's uh there's my games uh crazy taxi and um super mario world and of course quest for glory we had, I feel like we had a good selection this time. Yeah, well, I'm trying to keep it limited just because of how we're doing the uh, the, the quarterly one as well. Yeah. Trying to keep that in mind. And I think you did too. Maybe not intentionally, but you did. Well, well good. I guess it works out then. Nice. I think it's time to, uh, de- to figure out or to start determining the next game of the quarter. Uh, yeah. Last time we waited till the next episode to start doing it, but then... By the time we figured it out, we only had like two months to actually play it. So I think we should go ahead and do you want to? Well, first off, this time it's your it's your turn to choose. Do you choose want to how we determine it? Well, it's it's entirely up to you. you can, I want to do something fun. I want to do something where well, what if we did something like you and I both put up a game we've never played before, and then we let our listeners put up a game, and then we do a vote. So we have three games available for them to vote on. One that we, one that each of us chooses, and then one that they choose as well. Well, but how's every? But they're going to send us. Everybody's going to send us a different game, so we're going to end up with like seven, which is fine. But it's definitely going it, to. I mean, that's fine, but it's definitely going to be more than three. That's a good point. Okay. And the only thing is, the only the only I don't have a problem with that. But the only problem I do have with that is that all, that's also going to push us back a little bit because then we got to wait for the next episode to see what their what the listeners game is, and then we got to. It's a simple, fun way we could come up with something. I mean, I thought your method last time was pretty good was, was, uh, to, well, I guess it was kind of hybrid your and my method, which was, I came up with the, with like five games that I hadn't played yet. And I picked them random. I picked them randomly from my GOG library, but we could pick them anyway. And then we let the listeners uh, vote on them. I thought that I worked, mind that. I thought that worked pretty well, but, but I can do yeah. it. If you want to, I'm up to, I'm up for anything. This, no, this, one, this one's your call. Okay. So how do you want to? Do you want to? Do you have any games in your library that you want to randomly wow. choose, or do you just want to come up with a few that you haven't played that you're interested in? Actually, if you want to pull from your library, since you have so, you have you have a lot of games, don't you? Yeah, I'm I'm okay with using your library again if you if you don't mind. I mean, that's I fine. think you already have a lot of them, so it'll. You know, the, again, once again, this is entirely your call. If that's how you want to do it, that's how yeah, we can do I think, it. I think it's, I think it's a good way to go about it. Okay, so do you want me to start reading to you? Um, old games that I have and then you're going to pick a few or do you want me to just randomly pick from my I, library I random because in all honesty the, like most of the games you're going to list off I'm only going to know them by the title so I think it's I think it's completely fine to do it at random okay 
Um, so basically, we're just going to do exactly what we did last time, more or less. Yeah. And if I've played it, I'll let you know, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to go... So this will be a PC game again, then. Ooh. Uh, is that fine? Yeah. Okay. And I guess we'll go... We'll, you know, of course, I have Steam and GOG, but GOG seems to be the way to go, because if we start... If we include Steam, then it's going to take us, like, a million rolls to land on one that's <laughs> not... that 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 is a classic game. So, uh, so if, uh, if, if you want to do it the same way we did last time, then we'll just, uh, go with, we'll just stick with steam. I mean, with GOG rather. Yeah. And, uh, pick, I think we did five last time. So we'll pick five more random ones from GOG. Sounds good to me. Okay. Uh, if we, if we hit one that we had last time, do you want to skip it? Uh, let's do that. on a, too many repeats. Let's do that on a case by case basis. Okay. I like it. All right. Um, according to Gog, I have 336 games in my collection. You ready? Oh, I have a randomizer right here. Oh, go for What's it. This? Between one hey, and three. Take <laughs> a number between one and 336. She said 21. Do it again. 21. Wait, wait, no, no, not so fast. Oh, wait. Hold, hold. hold on one sec. Hold on a sec. Right, I'll just write down the number she says. 21. Perfect. What was the next number? She said nine. <laughs> next one. 30. Jesus, these are all so close together. Yes. You have 336 <laughs> options. 66. Oh, no, one in 336. Sorry. Would you like to start over? She's starting over? Yeah, I think she, had, she has oh. to start over. Okay, start over. She said 100. 100. 260. Okay. Five. 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 94. Okay. And? 75. 75. I'm not a winner. All right, let's see what we got here. Um... Lisa, if you picked incorrectly, I'm going to give you a bruise on your arm. I'm going to sort by title. Okay. All right, so number 100 is Giants Citizen Kabuto. I have no fucking clue what to expect from that, and it's kind of interesting. Okay. Um, I This game, I think, has a fairly good reputation. I don't know if I would expect it to hold up very well. I've never played it. Um, Number 260 is let's see these are the 200s uh, okay 260 is not a uh, classic game do we want to find the nearest one or get a new number lisa new number 320 320 oh 333 <coughs> 323 sorry 323 okay that one is going to be wing commander armada if you want to pick wing commander one instead though i have played that one you can because when I did it, I said if it's a game like later in a series that I haven't played, then I would revert back to the first game of the series that I haven't played. I have no preference either way since I haven't experienced too much of it, so I will let you. Okay, well, if you don't care, then we'll just stick with this one because I have because I, I have played one and two. Um, I'm not sure if this comes exactly after those, but it's close enough. All right, so so far we got Giant Citizen Kabuto and uh, Wing Commander really Armada. Okay. Number f- okay. The f- next one is is five. Okay, I've played this one for the podcast. It's it's alone in the dark. Do you want to get a new so one from her? Huh? Yeah, new number. Sixty-eight. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that, we need another one. That was not a classic. Sixty-seven. Uh, need another one. Oh Jesus! What's the, what's closest in proximity? 
Um, it's a game that we have played for that you and I have both played for the podcast, which is Dungeon Keeper. Um, if we keep on going after that, there's Dungeon Keeper Two. Um, there's also the the PC port of Double Dragon Trilogy. So we could just say Double Dragon if you wanted to. Let's stick with Double Dragon then. Or just just regular Double Dragon. Yeah. Um, and it's actually the Double Dragon Trilogy collection, but uh, obviously. Just whatever. So double, we're just going to say double dragon. Okay. Um, next one was 194. All right. Need another one. That's not a classic. 96. Uh, okay. So this one will we'll revert back to the first of the series. Because uh, this okay. is the third of the series that, that 96 lands on. But Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers. Okay. It's a, it's a Sierra point and click adventure game. It's supposed to be one like one of the best. At least from Sierra. Okay. And last one was 75. <laughs> the Elder Scrolls Arena. Uh, is that a card game? Actually, no, know. it's... um. <laughs> I think this is like the first Elder Scrolls. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, okay, Wikipedia. It is the first game in the Elder Scrolls series. Um, How do you feel about this list? Interesting. I, <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm very curious, to be honest with you. I, 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 our voting's going to be very funny. I think majority of people aren't going to know these games and be like, I don't know, I'll just vote at random. I don't, I don't know. I bet, honestly, I, I think most people will have heard of all of these, if not most of them. Okay. All right, so are we doing it the same way? We're going to just let everybody vote on it? Yeah, I don't see why not. Do you want to have a vote, or are you just purely going to be the I was the just breaker? thinking about that. What do you think? When I did it, uh, I didn't. I think I did not vote. I don't think you. Let, yeah, I was gonna say I don't think you had us vote. But again, this is your call. I'm fine with it. Keep it that way. Okay. So, the five options for you to vote on for for you, the listener, to vote on for um the next game of the quarter, Giants Citizen Kabuto, and that by the way um is uh, was originally on the I want to say. PS2, it, it, regardless, it was a console game originally, so you can find it um, in other formats besides PC. Uh, Giants Citizen Kabuto is the first one. Actually, okay, the Windows was the original version, and then it was later released on PlayStation 2. Regardless, the five games, Giants Citizen Kabuto, Wing Commander Armada, Double Dragon, Gabriel Knight Sins of the Fathers, and The Elder Scrolls Arena. Do I get to vote? Definitely not. Okay. All right. So vote for the right one and then, uh, and then email it to us. Uh, email, I'm going to only accept votes. Well, okay. Again, this is your call, but I, I suggest we only accept votes from email because last, last time we left it open, you could vote on Twitter or email, but then it got confusing because some people did both and it was confusing. To, it was hard to keep track of if they had already sent in a vote via Twitter as well. We had to like, it would encourage people to email us more too. Hoo-hoo. There you go. So, so email only is that what we're, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah All right. On board for that. Vote via email. Mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Giant Citizen right. Kabuto, Wing Commander Armada, Double Dragon, Gabriel Knight, Elder Scrolls Arena. This will be fun as always. This actually, I guess I would like to also say, I think this one turned out really well. This last one. Oh right? yeah. Even without having yet heard what our what our listeners have to say about um, Quest for Glory, it was. I do like every once in a while us to talk about the same game, especially when we have such different takes on it. 
as we did this, as we did this time. So that was that was tons of fun. So I'm looking forward to this one as well. I'm gonna jot these down so I don't forget. Damn right you are. Sorry, that was. That's it. It really was. Jay. I think you need to uh, reevaluate some things right now. <clears throat> Okay, and with that, it's time to move on to our top fives. Top five video game store memories. Uh, Jay and I talked about this briefly beforehand, and kind of the question was whether they need to be positive or not. And I think mine, I believe, are all positive. But I I think you, the the idea is mostly to have positive stuff. But I think it'd be fun to to let them go either way. So we're kind of going however we want with this. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, I roll dice since I can't make decisions for myself. And you go first. What's what's your number five top video game store memory? So my number five. Um, this was this this became relevant in what the, the mid two thousands probably. This was the idea that you could take your old games, you could trade them in for store credit, and then you could use that store credit to buy a new game, right? And you would think, hey, that's a great concept. You know, you trade a couple games in, eh, wrong right there. It's uh, usually a lot of games, and you'll still have to pay some cash to get a, a new game. Um, this was very big, obviously, with GameStop. It was notorious for doing this, where they'd give you the crazy, craziest, lowest value for your games, and then right around put it, or turn it right around and put it back on their shelves for a good, good amount of margin on their end. Uh, but I will say, when I was younger and I wasn't working as uh, that much it was pretty darn nice because i would trade in a lot of games that i was no longer playing and some of them were very popular because i had a kind of different taste in games prime example of one of the times i got burned so bad though was i uh i traded a bunch of old ps2 and ps1 games i think what it was so i could get final fantasy 12 and i was really excited i traded in some games i wasn't super happy about trading in because i still kind of had like emotional attachment to them and i was always thinking like oh, i'll play it again sometime but I was like, ah, screw it, Final Fantasy twelve. let's do it, you know, all in, bought it, brought it home, and I was like, holy shit, I goofed. I played Final Fantasy XII, <laughs> I, I played oh, the game, and I was so disappointed, because it, it just, I, I know a lot of people are probably thinking that, that I should play the Chronicles or whatever it is, the, the re-release of it, and, you know, eventually I will, but when, it, when a game first came out, and I had traded in so many games to get this, and it just was not an enjoyable experience, even after trying, I think I put like 50 or 20 hours in this game just trying to salvage it trying to enjoy as much as i could yeah that's very unfortunate i know i was tilted definitely tilted all right my number five is gonna be uh just in general that not a specific incident this one but uh going to the store without any particular game in mind and just like purchase or rent to to purchase and just being like and just being like you know what? I'm going to just look around and see what's good because I just want a new game. And I don't know about all the games that are out right now. Maybe I didn't read the magazines this month or whatever. Uh, that was something that you could legitimately do back then is just go to the store and like look around and be like, yeah, true. the back of this box looks awesome. I'm going to buy this one. The cover art font looks dope. I'm buying yeah. this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, that does not happen in any way anymore. Even not, I mean, I'm sure there are people who like, browse steam and they're like i wonder what's a good game to buy but but mostly it's like you do your research or you hear about a game and ratings you look at reviews you do all that yeah which which is better but there is also something kind of neat about just like discovering something while you were there 
Like, hmm, I haven't heard of this. Or, you know, I haven't heard of 90% of these games on the shelves. Yeah. But this game looks neat, and I'm going to try it. That's awesome. All right, what about number four? Uh, my number four was... So, my parents bought a Wii. And this was such an interesting purchase for us. Because we, we went to the store to get it. They were out of it. They were out in a lot of places when they first came out. And my parents were, wanted to get a Wii for my younger brother, which ultimately became just a family Wii, obviously. So that's why I was so on board with them doing it, because I'm like, hey, I don't have to spend money, and we have it in the house. And we had to go to so many stores to get it. And the last <laughs> time we called them, we're like, I, I think it was like a Walmart or GameStop, and it's like in the edge of town, we're like, hey, do you guys have one? They're like, yep. And we said, oh, can you guys hold it for us? We're like, no, we can't hold them. we got to get here as soon as we can. So we drive like 45 minutes west of our town. Damn. We get there, it's gone. Ah. Oh. <laughs> This is like the early days of cell phones too. So, you know, we were more keen on making phone calls. But uh, so we ended up having to do is we had to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and go to Costco. Costco was the place we ended up getting it at. And we woke up at two o'clock in the morning. It was like really exciting because it was like, oh, we're getting up at two o'clock in the morning. My parents weren't, you know, <laughs> they didn't get up super early like that or stay up late. Obviously, I stayed up late instead of, instead of going to bed early. And right. we were just so excited. We got there and they had so many of them. We were just like, holy shit. Like, we, we've been struggling to find it for. A week and a half and i think it was for christmas or my brother's birthday or something but when we finally got it, it was just such a, it was such a, a feeling of relief and just excitement for the actual system and you know like i've talked about before we had a lot of we had a lot of fun with the Wii with my family um but uh right. it was just kind of the experience getting into it more so than the actual console that was exciting. yeah that that, that that i like that that's a really good story i like that Thanks. all right my number four is uh Sort of similar to my to my number five, I guess, now that I'm looking at it. But uh, not necessarily going and just finding something on the fly, but seeing all of the games on the shelves, like, organized oh, yeah. and, like, just the way that they looked on, like, all of, the, uh, all of the cover art all next to each other and all that stuff, the boxes. And also, of course, the classic little flyer things hanging up in, the to- in Toys R Us where they didn't have the actual games out. They just had the little... They just had the covers of them out, basically, on little pieces of paper. And then you grabbed a slip for whichever one you wanted, took it up front to buy, and they you know, take it out of a case somewhere for you. But just the way that they all look next to each other, um, especially the PC games, really. Well, I don't know. I, both, both, really. The PC games always looked a little bit better, I think. But they also were typically displayed uh, side by side, I, I think, whereas, like sideways, rather. Whereas... A lot of the console games were typically with the uh, with the front facing out, but um, anyway, just just the way that that looked, that whole display situation was always really kind of cool to see. God, I used to dream about having enough money to just buy any game I wanted. Oh yeah, which is funny because <laughs> I wouldn't have enjoyed ninety five percent of them. Like the ones that I got were more <laughs> yeah. likely the ones that I was going to enjoy. Did you ever watch that game show uh, where they would where at the end the kids they would dress them up in Velcro? And they got to run through like a miniature, it wasn't like a store, but they had like games and stuff all over the place. They would stick games to themselves like yeah. on Vel- with Velcro and they got to keep whatever they got to stick to themselves in like 10 Vaguely, or 15 seconds. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you have for number three? Number three. Um, another time that we got a console, the first time, this is the, my brother was such a manipulator to my parents with getting <laughs> getting consoles. He was, he was the champion. He got us, oh man, he got us like. He got us doing blockbuster rentals after for so long my parents wouldn't do it. He got us our first Game Boy, our first PlayStation 1, our first PlayStation 2, N64. Like he was always convinced my parents like we had to have it, we had to have it. Uh, 
this was specifically the, the first Game Boy, the OG Game Boy, uh, back in like the mid '90s. My brother convinced my mom to get it, and I kid you not, we we would just fight over this thing constantly <laughs> trying to get it. And it was so funny because the the thing that I love about this is we were we we get the system, and my mom's like, "Oh, you know, you and Jay are just going to fight over the thing all the time." My brother like, "No, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll work it out." <laughs> no, brothers, yeah. four years apart, always fighting. And my brother goes, "I'll even let Jay play on the way home." And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, sweet. Like, yeah. And my mom's like, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So we get it. We get in the car. I'm six, seven minutes deep into playing. I think Kirby was the first game I played. Kirby uh, with a little paddle where you had to destroy the box on the top side of the screen. I'm like six, seven minutes in. He's like, okay, okay, my turn. And he just, <laughs> I mean, I've barely gotten the, the, the grasp of the game. We, had, we charged it for like 10 minutes in Walmart uh-huh. where we got it from before we left. But, oh, man, we... we we would just go crazy about that that system. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, my number three is a really stupid story. Um, I there was some there was an article. I think it was in Electronic Gaming Monthly. It may have been GamePro, but one of those yeah. where, <laughs> and I to this day I don't know what they were referring to. Oh no! But there was an article about. Oh yeah, if you have they kept saying if you have a light pen, then you can uh then you could do all this like ridiculous stuff that you would not normally be able to do in a video game. Like for instance, you could in Street Fighter make E Honda be able to take a bath in his bath level and it would reg and make it regenerate his energy. What? And I was like, <laughs> like it was not a joke article. It was like, oh yeah, if you had this thing called if you have a light pen, you could do this. I still don't even know what the hell they were talking about. I imagine it must be like some drugs. sort of drugs. Must be drugs. Yeah. No, I thought it would. I mean, my best guess is that it's one of two things. One, it's just some sort of. They were referring to some sort of. There, there are drawing device like digital drawing devices called light pens. Maybe they were just saying, "Ooh, you could draw this neat picture. You could like make it look like you could, you know, draw a digital version of Ihan as bath." Or maybe it was some sort of programming tool that I've just never heard of before or since where you can, I don't know, that maybe it has something to do with programming and it was basically saying you could reprogram the game to make that be able to happen. I swear, if somebody knows what the fuck they were talking about, please email us because in fucking 25 years, I haven't figured out what what in the world they were referring to. But so anyway, I read this article and I was like, Huh? How? And so this article said with a light pen, and I swear it said light pen specifically because I remember, um, I, you know, so I read this article and I was like, I guess this is a fucking, I guess this is a thing that you can do. I have to have this. And so I went to, I asked my dad, I was like, Hey dad, do you know what a light pen is? And he was like, Oh yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pen that just has a light on one end instead of, yeah, it's like, you know, in case like you have a pen like with you, you carry it around in case you need to like see it, at, at, you know, in the dark in case you need a flashlight. So you turn on. It's like, no, 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 that's not it. Read this. And he was like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, well, we got to get one. And so, you know, next weekend, I guess we probably went to the mall or something. I was like, we got to go ask him about a light pen in the video game store. And so we went into Babbage's. And I was like, do you guys have light pens? And of course they had no fucking clue what the hell I was talking about. They were just like, um, well, you know, basically like, what is that? 
and I was and I just was like, uh, yeah. And in in EGM, it said if you have a light pen, you can make Ihana take a bath and <laughs> do all this other stuff. And they're basically like, you know, get out of here, kid. No, they were like, I don't get out of here, kid. <laughs> they were, they, you know, they didn't have any more of an idea of what it was than I did. And I may have even gone to another store and asked them too, like, do you guys have light pens? And you know, nobody knew what the hell it was. To this day, I don't know what. It really, really, really did not seem like a joke article. I don't know what they were referring to. If anybody has any clue, I mean, obviously it's not really a thing, but if anybody has any idea what they might have been like talking about, I would love for you to email us and tell me because to this day, I don't know what the hell they were even talking about. I would be, I will, I would not be surprised at all if one of our viewers knows exactly what you're talking about and they're going to make you feel really dumb. I just have this sneaky <laughs> yeah. feeling. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, Robert, obviously they're talking about this. I read that article and yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Well, I, I, I welcome it. If, if anybody does, I, you can shame me all you want, but my, I, I, I'm still interested enough to know. Cool. All right, Jay, number two. Number two. I've talked about this before, but uh, there's specific elements I'm going to elaborate on a little bit. So I talked about how excited I was uh, for the releases of the WoW expansions and how much fun it was to actually go and pick up a copy the night of so I could log. Because what Blizzard would do is they would release, you, you'd be able to go purchase the game and then the servers would be up within you know X amount of hours or sometimes it was already live by the time you got a copy of the game. But when the first two came out, it was Burning Crusade and Wrath of Lich King, they... A lot, there were lines, and there were a lot of places that were sold out of them, especially the Burning Crusade. They just did not anticipate the volume that they uh, ended up having. But what was so fun is waiting in line, you got to be around a lot of people who had a, a very similar, uh, obviously the same hobby as you did, or sometimes it was parents buying sure. kids. But a lot of times it was people who shared the common interest, and it was very fun to just kind of interact and talk with people Um you know, while you're waiting in line talking about different rumors you had heard or, and a lot of times people are totally bullshitting and pulling things out of their ass or, or talking about things. They'd be like, oh yeah, I heard this crazy thing that happens. And, you know, but it, it was very exciting to be around people that were in the same mindset you were going through it. And I never experienced anything crazy where people were like, hey, you cut me in line. And then, you know, like you get somebody get an argument or something. Right. Like this. It was, it was never like that. Yeah. Like the most serious that I ever got was like, you know, who's, who's whore? And then people raise their hand and be like, Fuck you. <laughs> that, was, that was the most nice. extreme it ever got. It was like, awesome. oh, okay. So, <laughs> That's great. It, it, was, it was very fun to go to those, those kind of releases. And, and at that time, they didn't do the digital copies. So you had to physically go get the copies the night of. So oh, right. <laughs> now, now if you go get the physical copies, you're literally the only one there. And yeah. Upset experience. But, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Nice. That's, that's, that's a really good one. Thanks. All right. Uh, my number two is... I went to the uh, the video game store one day, and this was one of the times where I didn't know I didn't have any particular game in mind that I wanted. I just kind of wanted to look around and see what they had. I had uh, recently played Loom, which was the first point and click adventure adventure game that I ever played, and I really liked it. And they had a uh, I was there I was you know we were kind of looking around. And they were like, "So what are you guys looking for?" I was like, "I don't know, you know, I really like Loom," and they were like, "Oh, well, you should check out this game." Because it's 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 uh, kind of similar and it's made by the same company. It's called uh, it's called the the Secret of Monkey Island. Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy! And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's see. And they had a they had a computer set up to to play to demo it to play the, to demo it. Yeah. Oh my god. 
it wasn't like a demo version of the game. It was just the sure. full game that you could that they just had out for you to demo. So like I specifically remember there was a little computer sitting there next to the counter. The guy went up and like typed in a password to uh to 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 turn it on. And then there's Monkey Island right there. He's like, here, you know, just play around. And I so I like just started from the very beginning of the game and just played for like a few, you know, not even like five minutes, like probably like three or four minutes. And I was like, this game seems so awesome. I really I think this is it. This is this is the one I want to buy. And uh, of course, it turned out to be my favorite game that I ever played ever in my whole life. Wow. So, uh, yeah, definitely playing the demo of Monkey Island just on a computer sitting there in the video game store. That was uh, really kind of, in retrospect, weird. You know, of course, I didn't really think anything about it back then. But, uh, you know, that's not something that ever happens. And, uh, and the fact that it turned out to be my favorite game of all time, that was, uh, that was, that was that's, that's a pretty good memory. That's definitely up there. That's a good one. Yeah. Especially since, you know, like you said, it's your favorite game of all time, so it's one of those iconic moments you probably will never forget. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, the way it looked. I remember having all the different options to pick up and look at and use and open and all that kind of stuff. And I remember talking to the pirates in the bar and just, like, being like, oh, man, there's so much stuff you can do in this game and everything looks so neat. All right. That's awesome. Number one. Number one. Uh, this was the first time I ever built, I had my own PC built. Um, this was back in the day of Fry's Electronics. Uh, my brother and I and a lot of his friends, we would land party a lot with these janky Frankenstein PCs. We'd oh, know, really? pull them together. Oh, yeah, we'd, we'd Frankenstein. Well, he would. I, I would just play them. But he would, you know, get people. People would build a, a new PC and they'd give them some old pile of shit Dell or just some you know, tower that they're not using, doorstop, whatever it was. And he would just make parts out of it, combine it with something else, and it would be good enough to play Half-Life or Dungeon <laughs> Keeper or nice. Strike or whatever, whatever we were playing at the time. And then it got to a point where my dad and I used my allowance and the money that I had saved up and, and he put down like half and I put down half and he was like, okay, we can build you a gaming PC. And like, oh my gosh. One monitor, one monitor. Uh, it was a flat screen monitor, which was pretty cool. But we went to Fry's Electronics. Uh, we knew our budget and it was crazy because it was like me, my dad, and my brother, we were standing around looking at video cards, looking at all the different specs and stuff like that. And there was a list of games that I wanted to play at the time. Oh, am I lagging? No, you're good. Okay, I just want to make sure because my thing started flashing red. No. Um, so I had a list of games that I wanted to play so they knew kind of generally how strong it had to be and stuff like that. And then it was like one of the Fry's Electronics people came over and he's like, hey, do you guys need help? And we're like, oh, we're building a first gaming PC. And he was like, oh, that's so exciting. It was so awesome. and, then, and then he calls some dude over who specializes in video cards. And then it's like these two dudes. And then a third dude comes up. So it's just six of <laughs> nice. us like, talking about building computers. And then we get off topic talking about video games. And we're just talking about all these crazy games that we're all playing right now. And it's Fry's Electronics was so exciting during the early 2000s because it was such a nerd haven. Like you went there, you looked at computer components, you looked at um, computer games, and then they had flats of food and water for supplies so you could bulk up if you were Damn. if that was your groceries. Do you remember that? No. You could literally, like, yeah, they had they would have like I didn't have meat. a Fry's. I never had. Oh a fries. man, Fry's Electronics was. It, we still have one open here. I think it will go out of business eventually. But uh, they, towards the front where the registers are, they have these flats where you can buy bulk food and bulk water. <laughs> you can buy so random like nerd chow. You can, yeah, exactly. And it's things like ramen and, and you know degenerative food, generally speaking. But it was such a cool place to go to. There was nothing like it at the time, and they were so successful at the time. Oh man, I remember the first time building my computer, looking at all the components, looking at the boxes, and just getting really excited, and then building it, obviously. But um, oh, it was so exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, I never, I never was like 
knew anything about building computers and my, you know, it wasn't really anything my dad was interested in or anything like that. So I never did anything like that. Like, I, I mean, the computer that I have now I built, but that was the first time I ever did it. And actually, now that I say that, it's lasted a pretty long time because so I think I built it like four or five years ago, huh? I've built so many computers now. I'm like so accustomed to it. I'm not like the best person in the world at it, but I know how to read the instruction manual. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, troubleshoot it. it's, a, it's a million times easier than you would think. Yeah, yeah, it's like like it's 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 form fit. I mean, realistically, like a slot A is for item A, slot B is for item B. Like it's it's that simple. The best thing to do is like find good things, and then I forgot what website it is, but there's a website that you can go to and put in your parts, and it'll basically tell you if they're compatible with each other. Newegg is really good about that. Uh, Newegg also has tutorials. They have like introductions where they show you like if you buy a video card, there might be a video showing you how to install it. Uh huh. Pretty dope. But yeah, growing up, I never did anything like that. But I, my, <laughs> there was one time where I, I remember at one point my uncle got into um, like he started. What was it? He was trying to uh, he wasn't becoming a programmer, but he was like becoming like a he was trying to become like a licensed uh, like Microsoft certified mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> and like so he was getting into all this stuff and like learning how to build computers and like troubleshoot windows shit and stuff like that. And so for the, for our next computer, we had him build it for us and it was just the biggest piece of shit. It barely oh. worked. I remember like the first like three games I bought for it to try it. Like I installed them and they just would not run. It was a, uh, it was an, it was an absolute disaster. Like one game I played, <laughs> one game I tried playing and the, uh, the screen like cut the, the game in half and had like the wrong side of it on each half of the screen. It like flipped the two halves of the screen somehow. What? <laughs> yeah. That's nutty. Yeah. Uh, my number one video game store memory is tell me if this is not basically every kid's dream when they go to buy a video game. So there was this, one of my friends got this demo uh, on his PC for a game called battle beast. And it was this fighting game. It, it was a basically like a very, very cartoony. I, I was going back and looking at some videos, and it's actually kind of impressive. The cartoon, the, like the cartoon graphics were really very well done. The game, I don't think was was very good, but at the time we really liked it. We really thought it was awesome. It was a fighting game called Battle Beast. It was only on PC and Mac. And uh, you were these little animals that would turn into robots when they fought. So if you're like a turtle, then you would turn into this tur- this robot turtle. If you were a, I don't know, whatever, like a little panda or something, then you would turn into a robot panda. And it was just, a, and you obviously it was a fighting game. You would just fight each other and had like a bunch of little mini games in between levels. Anyway, my friend had the demo for this game and we were playing. We were like, this game is awesome. You get to turn into a robot version of this animal and it's so cool. And you, there's all this other stuff to do. So we were like, both of us were like, we really want to buy this game. So uh, I think we were at like his house. And then later that day, we got his mom to take us to, to the mall. And so both of us were, were planning on buying this game. We went to the store. We see the game. There's like a little display in the front of the store. Specifically for this game, Battle Beast. We go up and we we each grab a box of it. And we look at it. And the price tag says $0.00. 0 cents. 
And we were like, is this some sort of mistake? And then like we were looking at all of them and all of the boxes for this particular game say zero dollars and zero cents. We were like, we like each grab one and we walk up to the counter. We're like, uh, do we just like take this or, or do we have to like check out for this? How does this work? And the guy was like, oh yeah, they, the, the, the company just dropped a bunch off and said, just to give them away. They're just trying to like, they were like, that was the, their strategy for like building up word of mouth about the game was just to give away a bunch of copies and then like help, you know, hope that it kind of like caught on and then people wanted to buy it. So it was like, yeah, I just, I, I, all I got to do is sort of like ring you up <laughs> and then you, and then yeah, it's free. So we literally bought a game for $0 and zero cents and we just got the game for free and took it home and played it. That's crazy. Yeah. It was nuts. Imagine like, what if you, what if like the next like awesome game that you wanted to buy, you went, you like pulled it up on steam and it was just free the day one. So that was uh that was definitely like, like one in a million opportunity right there. Very good lists. Our next top five is going to be, as we discussed earlier in the episode, games that we want on PlayStation Classic. Besides the five that have been announced, or sorry, besides the three that have been announced so far, which are Tekken 3, Wild Arms, and Final Fantasy 7. Time for emails. First one comes in from Father Beast. All right. Father Beast says, Hi, Father Beast here. I decided to do a sort of participation in your fighting moves uh, top five, despite the fact that I don't like fighting games. I am in the same boat. And uh, don't think I've ever played one. Oh, you know, uh, except for one, uh, a short try with Karate Champ on the Commodore 64. Didn't like that one either. So I have to pull my fake list of fighting game moves from sources other than fighting games. I have already heard other people's lists on the episode where you guys focused on this top five, and I can tell you that none of my picks are from anyone's list. Wow. Okay, here's the top five fighting game moves not from fighting games. Number five, the straight punch. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> where I get this, but I'm sure that I've seen it in uh, some cartoon or other. It's when the, the bully puts one hand on your shoulder, cocks his arm back, and gives you his big grin before you see this this fist hurtling at your face. Classic. <laughs> All right. From, from a cartoon. Four, okay. Tiara throw from Sailor Moon. I picked this one because I used to give my daughter crap about this move and how every time she did this, it showed her, I showed her doing this minute long windup to throw her tiara. I can only wonder what the villain was doing while waiting for her to get around throwing. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, Robert, and I'm hoping. I don't know. I have okay. never seen Sailor Moon. I don't know what this is. I, I can honestly say I'm right there with you. So. I'm gonna um try. Look, how about I'll try looking it up for us while you do the next one. <laughs> uh, number three, the baby dragon slash time wizard combo from Yu-Gi-Oh. First off, oh, this is actually dope. I'm totally cool with this. I just binge watched Yu-Gi-Oh for like 25 episodes. Garbage show. <laughs> Why? Yu-Gi-Oh. Why did you, you do that? Cheats? I'll tell you later. Uh, <laughs> Yu-Gi is they they're all just a bunch of fucking cheaters. I'm sorry. I've been I've been holding this up for a couple weeks. Lisa won't even listen to me complain about it anymore. She's so tired of hearing about it. <laughs> so the, the heart of the cards is literally fucking Yu-Gi using sleight of hand to cheat and pull cards out of his deck over and over and over. He's like, oh yeah, 
Uh, the only way I can win this is if I top deck this card. Oh, look at that! I have 60 cards, and look at that! There it is. Like, he just, like, shows his opponent, like... And, and the other thing he does is this really, really cool trick where he waits till the end of his turn, and when his opponent's talking, di- or you know, doing dialogue, he just uh, <coughs> slips a card on the table face down, doesn't mention it, and then when his, tur- his opponent does something on his turn, he's like, hey, by the way, you activated that trap card I didn't tell you about, so... You just lost. So the whole Enjoy. game is based on him just cheating. The first fucking the first five he does, it's literally him going, oh, I'm getting my ass kicked. The only way I can win is if I top deck all five pieces of Exodia. Oh, look at the five, top five cards in my deck. There's all five pieces, and I just win. It's so stupid. And Joey, Joey Wheeler, Joey fucking Wheeler is, is the biggest. He's just such a jackass during the is that entire like one show. of his friends? Best friend. First of all, he talks like this and he says Yug, which you know if somebody calls Yugi, Yug, they're already on the shit list for sure. There's just no question about it. But Joey Wheeler has no idea how to play the game. He's a complete jackass and loses every single every single game he ever plays, I promise you. And then he competes in the tournament. His first time ever playing the game doesn't even know what's in his deck and wins every single time in the tournament. And he's like... Uh, I'm losing. I'm at one health, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, look at the What is? I don't know what this card does. I'm just gonna put it down. Oh, I win. All right, cool. <laughs> that is that is literally Yu-Gi-Oh in a nutshell. That is absolutely Yu-Gi-Oh in a that nutshell. Sounds anybody amazing. tries to tell me differently, they are a lying sack of shit. Oh my god, that shit was so stupid. That's awesome. Anyways, number I found, three. The I, baby I found I found the Sailor Moon thing, and it's like, oh no. She like takes off her tiara. The move is like twenty seconds long. <laughs> And like lets it shine, <clears throat> then holds it out slowly, then spins around a f- couple times, like and then waits a second and then throws it at the bad guy. Oh, it's like a real thing. Okay, yeah, I never watched Sailor Moon. Yeah, I never did either. I tried a few times, but I just couldn't get into it. Uh, anyways, back on track. I'm so happy this came up because I have been holding this one in for a little bit now. Uh, number three, Baby Dragon slash Time Wizard combo, which this is probably the coolest part about the entire show, by the way. This combination is probably the only redeeming factor. Okay. Uh, first off, so uh, Father Beast says, I can never uh, give a decent reason why I watch this show. Boom, right there. What did I just say? What did I just say? Uh, it's, a collect- <laughs> it's just a collectible card game. Uh, second, every time Joey pulls this move and spins the dial on the Time Wizard, I'm on the edge of my seat, despite clearly... Uh, uh, Despite the clearly obvious fact that he wins the spin every time, right there, total bullshit. Told you. Anyway, it always works, and his baby dragon grows into a thousand-year dragon. Usually, a winning move. Boom! Right there again. Yeah. The uh, the the thing is, so you play this card, and this dial spins, and there's a chance that you win, or there's a chance that you just get fucked on. Joey Wheeler always comes through with the uh, the time wizard. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's Joey's awesome. So stupid. Uh, number two, the lightning hose from Diablo two. When you face Diablo in Diablo 2, he turns out to really uh, to be really tough. And then, as bad as he is, suddenly he re- uh, rears back and lets loose this stream of red lightning, which is almost instant death. The only defense is to try and dodge, and you can't stand up to that. Yeah, he actually has this in the Heroes of the Storm, also a garbage topic. Uh, but he his ultimate is this lightning breath, and it's so cool. I, lo- I love the animation for it. Number one, the Death Blossom from Last Starfighter. In this movie, the idea is to lure, lure in all the enemy fighters until you are completely surrounded, then hit the button, and the gunstar spins around, firing in every direction in three dimensions, destroying all the surrounding fighters in a number of seconds. It's totally awesome, and that's why it's number one. Okay. I also had a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, the One City uh, Challenge strategy from Civilization 2, and the Rune Lord slash 
slash artificer combo from the Master of Magic. Oh, and I also wanted to participate in the top five for this week. So here are my top five game store ones. Number five, Alpha Centauri. As a big fan of the Civilization series, I knew I was going to buy Alpha Centauri. So I was down at the game store and was looking at for a copy, and all they ha- had new was the cheap version for $19.99. I pondered over this, but worried because it was just the disc. I mean, it, 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 it doubtless had a PDF of the manual, but still, while I think about it, I wandered over uh, to the, the used game shelf. There was a used copy of Alpha Centauri available for $7.99, and it had the manual. That made the decision. Nice. Buying the better version of the game for less is always <clears throat> Number four, Duke Nukem Atomic Edition. I was looking at the clearance rack at the game store and checking the price on this. It said one cent. I thought this had to be a misprint. Robert, is this you? Did you email the podcast? <laughs> Anyways, Maybe. Uh, I knew it had to be, or I thought it had, this had to be a misprint. I asked the store clerk about it, and he said, hey, corporate sets those prices. We don't have any say in it. So I bought Duke Nukem Atomic Edition for one cent. Hell yeah. Number, number three, Civilization <laughs> slash Colonization slash XCOM, UFO Defense Master of Orion. Having got $20 as a tip while collecting garbage, I went to a Kmart and bought these two packs of computer games with my loot. Without a doubt, the best value for the dollar. Yeah, that's pretty good. Colonization, <clears throat> Civilization, XCOM, UFO Defense, and Master of Orion. Wow. Number two, Isle of Ter- Isles of Terra slash Dark Side of Zine slash Clouds of Zine. While browsing at a thrift store, I discovered a Might and Magic box among the jigsaw puzzles. I discovered after buying it that it was also not a jigsaw puzzle, but a <laughs> computer game box. And in addition to having the games in there, it also had the maps, manuals, strategy guides, and piles of papers with handwritten notes by the person who had the game before. Three games and the goodies from the Might and Magic wow. series. That's dope. That is actually super cool. I'd be really happy to come across that. Oh, yeah. Number one, X-Wing. While picking up garbage, a can fell over, and I had to get out and pick it up. A box for, for the Star Wars game X-Wing had spilled out on the ground. I'm going to stop right there, Robert. How does it make you feel? It de- I, <clears throat> it depends on what condition the box was in. All right, here we go. I kept it. When I got home, I tried to install it, but it had lots of problems since it kept running into disk errors. I just kept hitting those ignore when those errors came up and hoped for the best. What I got was a playable, even though it was prone to crash a lot, and some, some sections of the games didn't work at all. <laughs> Nevertheless, I was able to play badly with a mouse and had Ooh. astonishing amounts of fun. Thoughts? Uh, X-Wing is an amazing game. Yeah, I don't, it's like, if it's the George Costanza style, like, oh, it was like basically sitting on top of the trash. Oh, and, yeah. Like, you know, like, that's, that's, nice reference, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm, which I'm guessing is probably the case, or else hopefully he wouldn't have taken it for himself. I don't know, the can fell over and it spilled out. Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. All right, Father Beast closes out by saying, okay, I hope you enjoyed these, these despite the fact that I seem to go straight outside the actual stores. I will write back later with my report on Quest for Glory 1. Father Beast, thank you for the email. And yeah, by all means, go outside the box. This is some interesting stuff. Yeah, that was good. Next one comes in from Simon. This is not our usual Simon. This is a new Simon. Oh. Simon says, hi, I've got some thoughts on Quest for Glory I wanted to share for your Game of the Quarter discussion. Quest for Glory had a massive influence on my life and is the reason my four amazing children exist. Damn. That may sound crazy, but it's true. Uh, it's a long story, and rather than repeating it in full, here's a link to where I posted it 
on the Sierra Gamers Facebook group a few months back, the night before my fourth child, a girl named Sierra was born. Damn. That's crazy. This guy is all in on the Sierra point and clicks. All right, hold on. Let's, uh, I'm pulling this up while this is coming up. He also says, earlier this year, I made a children's picture book adaptation for the first game, which you might want to check out. It got a lot of love from the uh, Quest for Glory fans in that Sierra group and a couple of other places I shared it at the time. He says, lastly, check this out if you want a few Quest for Glory gags. He's got some uh, some other link on some Facebook thing. Enjoy. Cheers, Simon. So here's the, here's the post that he made on this Facebook group. I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> he says... In, 19, in May 1990, a woman stood in a shop in Sydney, Australia, and decided to purchase a computer game called Hero's Quest, so you want to be a hero, for her son to give his best friend on his sixth birthday. 28 years later, there are four amazing children. Well, three are definitely amazing. The fourth one hasn't come out yet, so we can't be <laughs> certain she's amazing, but she's arriving tomorrow, who only exists because of that woman's decision. Let me explain. Wow. I'm the best friend. I was given the game when I turned six. Quest for Glory became a defining influence on my childhood, but I never met anyone else who had even heard of it, let alone played it. When I was 21, I was working in an office and everyone started sharing the music folders on their computers. Uh, A beautiful 26-year-old woman was looking at my folder and noticed the Quest for Glory 1 soundtrack in there. She turned to me and said, "You you played Quest for Glory? Me too. We hit it off. I found out her birthday was coming up, so I made her a copy of the soundtrack and a copy of the Quest for Glory anthology. Within weeks, we had fallen deeply in love. We moved in We moved in together almost immediately, got married a few years later, and had our first son in 2012. Our second, whose middle name is Erasmus, followed in 2015. A third boy came along in 2016, and our first girl is almost here. I'm not allowed to spill the beans about her name, but I can say it has a lot to do with this story. I'll add it as a comment on this post tomorrow when she's out and it's official. Yeah, so as he said earlier, her name was Sierra, which is actually a really good name for a girl. Uh, There are so many other things I can say about Quest for Glory and the impact it's had on my life. The joys of seeing my eldest son playing it all these years later. The memorable experience of running the entire game as as a parsley style RPG for some friends on a lengthy road trip. I'm not sure. I haven't, I'm not familiar with that term parsley style. I don't know what that means. The huge canvas print featuring our favorite images from the first game, which has pride of place on our wall. I'll put a photo of it in the comments below. The rhyming children's story I wrote to tell the story of the game to my youngest kids. But the biggest thing, of course, is the family it helped me create. I literally wouldn't be sitting here in this house with this beautiful family if not for Quest for Glory and the, and the decision made by a woman in a shop all those many years ago. Wow. I don't know if I can, I don't think I can top that one. I know, right? <laughs> that's pretty killer. Thank you, Simon. That's a really cool story. And uh, con- congrats on the, on the, on the, on the fourth baby. Yeah, seriously, that's awesome. Yeah. And good name, good naming also. Good job on all, on, on all, basically on everything all around. All right. Very good. That was, that was a good one. Next one comes from uh, Scott. Jay? Read it. Do it. Scott says, I don't like Robert, but I enjoy the podcast and Jay. Scott. <laughs> oh, thanks, Scott. Where is, where did Google Docs go? It's, it's gone. Uh, I deleted all the information that was there, so you can paste the next one. 
No, like I couldn't even find it. I don't even think I had it pulled up anymore. Here we go. You're in there now. Just paste. Yeah, I got. No, I. I yeah, oh, okay. I, I know. Sorry. <laughs> listen, uh, I, listen. I don't know how. Uh, you know what? Anyway, uh, this is from Scott. You said. Uh, I think so. Jesus. Yes, Scott. Scott says, "Hey guys, uh, as usual, great work on the recent episode. Lately, I've been playing. Oh God, I'm gonna let you say this. I can never pronounce this. <laughs> Seiken Densetsu Three. Yeah, there you go. I started with one thing right there." <laughs> Uh, three for the Super Famicom. So I went back through uh, the show's archives to find the time I heard about the game, uh, which was on episode six or fifty-six. Excuse me. Uh, it's such a great game. Your podcast is awesome for a number of reasons, but most to me, when you guys mention or play a great game for the past that I totally messed out on. Thanks nice. for all your hard work. Oh, you're welcome, Scott. Uh, That's what we're here for. That's what you're paid for, right? Big bucks. Mm. Um, when thinking about this week's top five, I couldn't come, come up with five memories that really stood out. So here are my top three video game store memories. Babbage's. The mall where I grew Hell up yeah. had a Babbage's in it. That was my, that you? was like my store was Babbage's. Yeah? Yeah. Electronics Boutique was, was like the second. Ah. And, uh, but Babbage's was my main one. Um, and even though I didn't have a PC at the time, this is probably 1989 or so, I loved looking at the big PC game boxes. Hell yeah. Number two, not really a specific memory or just a video game store, but I have a lot of fond memories of getting games at Toys R Us when I was a kid. It was always kind of exciting to grab one of the cards in the sleeves from the shelf and take it up to a weird cage area at the front of the store where you could exchange it for the real game. Those were the days. Number one, two of my friends and I were in an electronic boutique looking at PC (laughs) software circa 1997. Uh, we were still in high school, and I didn't know any better, so we were making fun of a Linux distribution on the shelf. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> Linux distribution. <laughs> I just imagine this sitting there just, like, yelling insults at, the, at a yeah. Linux distribution. Somebody walks by like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Ubuntu. <laughs> we couldn't understand why anyone would use something other than Windows. <laughs> Steve Jobs is laughing at you now. <laughs> Kidding. Um, after a couple of minutes of us hear, uh, of uh, hearing us laughing, a 40-some-year-old guy who had been listening nearby grabbed the box from me and yelled, maybe we don't want to use an inferior product. Slammed the box on the ground and walked out of the store. Shit, got told. Wow. By the Debian user. I know, like, what? That's, that's so awesome. <laughs> Scott says, it terrified my friends and I, but we laughed about it later. I now use Linux every <laughs> <Yep>. day. Yep. <laughs> Talk Perfect. to you guys soon. Scott. <laughs> Perfect. What a great ending. That is awesome. <laughs> what the fuck is this? What's some who's gonna use something called Linux? <laughs> Alright. Next one is from Chase. Chase says Hello gentlemen, Chase the Night Cleaner here, hoping that you have had yourself a great episode so far. I'd say we have. So Game of the Quarter? Yeah, this one wasn't for me. Sorry I skipped this one, but maybe next time. I've been pretty busy painting. Feel free to ask Rob. Oh yeah, he, he sent me a message the other day. He's painting, um, it's not Warhammer figurines, uh, but like some other, I forgot what the other, oh. what the game was. Some Another game that he plays. It is, uh, it's a game called Infinity. Okay. Infinity figures. Um... But when I'm not doing that or playing the Switch, I'm really doing some awesome stuff with my SNES Classic. Hands down, the best way to play SNES, Genesis, Turbo Graphics, Game Boy, and Game Boy Advance games in HD wow. outside of just doing it on, on your computer. Look it up online as there are tons of online support and videos 
with lots of tutorials, and if I can hack my classic, so can you. ROMs are becoming a bit harder to come by, but if you are like me or Jay, chances are you already have all the ROMs you like. Avoiding my warranty on this device was worth it, and the user interface and save states that are native to the SNES Classic make it a real treat to navigate and use. If you are trying to play retro games on your TV on a budget and can't afford to compete with collector's market but want to play something that feels like original hardware, definitely explore this option. Also, it looks like I may be able to get PS1 games on the SNES Classic 2. I'll update next episode because if I can do it efficiently, some folks won't need to buy the PS Mini if you don't want to. Okay, done ranting. Though I have lots of great memories of renting games growing up, I don't feel like they make for great stories. One time I rented Final Fantasy IV for the SNES and played as much of it as I possibly could. I didn't win it. I tried to rent it again a week later, and luckily it was in. It was the only copy the store had. But when I got the game back, my save file was replaced by another one some other renter had made. That was a heartbreak wow. and a half. Yeah, that is. I hated that. Yeah, I never played really any games that, that, that utilize save files, at least not, you know, ones that I couldn't beat, you know, like over a couple days. Like, well, maybe I guess take it back. I really just never played any games. Uh, I never really rented games that you really needed to save on. I don't think so. I never had to experience that, thankfully. Uh, Chase says, now for my question of the day, what is one thing you feel you can do you can do really well? Like, what is one thing you might consider yourself an expert at? Can be gaming related, but maybe also what are you good at outside of gaming? Oh, damn. Holy shit. This uh, is a loaded ga- question. Gaming related for me would be RTSs. Uh, RTSs with my history. Are you, sure, are you sure you don't mean turn-based strategy games? Shut your mouth. With uh, it, It's interesting. My brother and I have talked about this recently. I feel like when you play certain games at a high level, you start developing sort of muscles, if you will. And when you try to play different types of games in that same genre, or excuse me, different games within that genre, uh, they be- they become easier faster and you get better at them. Uh, RTSs in particular, I can't tell you the last time I struggled on a campaign for an RTS. And generally when I play new RTSs, I can identify very quickly, um, like if it, I look at them like, oh, could this be something competitive? And then I'm like, well, there's certain limitations like within strategies or there's only so much you could do if you actually had people competing against one another in it. But outside of gaming though, I don't know, sitting on my ass? Is that, is that an acceptable answer? I'm pretty good That's at that. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Probably the best of me at that. Things we're good at outside of gaming. I guess I guess for me, I'd say the, the one thing that I've kind of been good at that has always come naturally to me is writing. Um, not like fiction writing necessarily, but uh, or not at all fiction writing, but just writing in general. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean. Like growing up and in college and stuff, it's just something that like I naturally did very well. And even, you know, once once I started uh, the English program at the university that I went to, I just always like did very well in all these cla- in all of my English classes. Uh, you know, reading literature, writing about it, and then and and writing about anything in any class, regardless. But you know, <laughs> particularly you know writing, you know about you know, books and, and literature sure. and, and the various types of classes. It was, it's just something that's all, that's come very, very naturally to me. And I've always been, 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 been good at that. I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I have um, very strong spatial uh, skills. So oh, yeah. doing puzzles and stuff like that come very easy to me. Yeah. I've always had like, when I was a kid, I struggled with school, but I was really good. My, my spatial reasoning was just really high. Uh-huh. So I love, that's why I love doing puzzles so much. 
Oh, that's good. That's cool. He says, I've been told I'm a good dancer, but I also feel like I'm pretty good at fighting games. That's that's killer. I mean, they go hand in hand. It's called Spike. Spike <laughs> dancer, Spiegel. fighting games? Yeah. Have vid- you watched, you've watched a couple of people, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Video game wise, I don't feel like there's anything that I'm like stand out good at. Like you're pretty good at fighting games, aren't you? I, I'm no, I'm okay. I think you're above average, are you? I'd say I'm above average, but but I mean, honestly, average in fighting games is bad. <laughs> you're above average at point and click adventures, Robert. Come on, um, <laughs> like I'm I'm good at games in general because I've played them my whole entire life, but uh. Anytime I try to get really good at a particular type of game, I, I hit a ceiling very, very early that I just that can't get far I, past. I have more and more as of recent. <laughs> I haven't noticed it, which is sad. But oh, really? Yeah. Like, Star- like StarCraft 2, I used to play that hours a day. Oh, yeah. And I never got that good at it. And, and fighting it, like I used to practice street. There was a time where I practiced Street Fighter 4. Not for a really long time, but there were like... It was like six months where I was playing it every day almost with like some of my friends that were really good at fighting games. And I just like would hit this plateau like fairly early on that I just had a hard time getting past. So I've never been able to get like really good at video ga- at any particular video game. But, you know, I guess in general I'm okay. But just, you know, just because I play them so much. He says, and that's it for me. Thanks as always for doing what you do. Hopefully no one griefed you too hard today and some good stories came. What are they going to grief us about? What's he talking about? Oh, now I'm scared. Enjoy the rest of your night and talk again soon. Cheers, Chase Night Cleaner. I don't know what that was a reference to. Chase, I'm sorry, Robert, read your email. Here's one from Jonathan. Jonathan says, hello, fellow classic game podcastians. You guys should play popcorn from grade school and randomly call on each other to read this. What is it? What's popcorn? That's you just like go back and forth. Like, you, but my teacher would be like Robert, and then you'd read a section, and then you'd be finished paragraph and be like Jay, and then I would read. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, hold on one second. You got somebody at your door. Yeah. Better answer that. Uh, who was at your? Says, who is it at your door? Oh, it's your dad. He's just coming over for some lovin's. Okay, tell, um, we're, let's play popcorn on this email for each paragraph. Oh, Jesus. We're, right. we're doing it. Uh, Jonathan says, well, I suppose I will sheepishly write in this week. Um, I didn't get very far in the quest, not because I didn't try, but I did not persevere. Um, as you may recall, I wrote in last time and asked for help or asked for help about how to interact and purchase food for health. Uh, thank you for the help. Unfortunately, when I was replaying it, the game crashed midway through, and I haven't even tried it again. <laughs> that sucks. Wow. But I can't blame that on the game itself. After all, the artwork is charming, the plot is intriguing, and the charm of the story is witty and fun. Battle mechanics remind me of Pirates, gold from the PC slash Sega era. Check out SNES Trunk if you'd like a rundown, as you just reviewed this game recently. Uh, I do wish the inn and shopkeeper mechanics were a bit more streamlined, though. Anyway, I look forward to hearing from those who made it a bit further than I. At least I have 40 winks to fall back on. Nice. I'll read a little bit more and then I'll call on you. Okay. Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, but Octopath Traveler has consumed me. I have two jobs. You can turn the lights on. Um, I have two jobs, a wife, and I go to the gym every day. Still, in just two weeks, I have logged over 60 hours into this game. There's plenty to discuss, but we will save that for later. Oh, and I have Mario Odyssey, which I haven't even played it. Oh, how have you not played it if you haven't? Are you kidding me? Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, 
Funny moment from last episode. We were reminiscing about Halo. My buddies and I used to create custom maps and battle each other. I'm sure everyone did this, but I digress. Our favorite thing to do was to customize the map level midship and limit the weapons to energy swords and shotguns. Of course, everyone. Real quick, you guys have to like rub it against your mic. Oh. Is that better? I think so. It only happened once every like t- five seconds, so I got to wait until you be sure, but it, so- it sounds like you're better now. Okay. Um, and limit the weapons to energy swords and shotguns. We used to have epic showdowns. Uh, did you guys hear that Switch Online was Dude, when are you going to call on me? I was going to wait for the top five section. All right, all right, all right. Is your, is your, I guess, is that the game you wait? You're not supposed to do it at a certain time? Is that how you play? I mean, you can kind of do... I, I usually, like... I don't think there's rules to this, Robert. I don't think it's that in <laughs> Okay, anyway. all right. Okay. Jonathan says, Did you guys hear that the Switch Online was already hacked? Uh, it's barely been out for 48 hours, and someone has already cracked into it. And how does Jay not have one yet? Uh, no, really. Question of the day. Why doesn't Jay have a Switch? God damn it. Stop it. I know. I'm getting a dog, <laughs> and then the Switch is next. All right. Uh, your backlog of games is only growing. Not to mention, Katamari Damacy was just released, and Chocobo's Dungeon is getting remastered, along with. Oh, that's, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Katamari Damacy. Yeah, that's crazy also. exciting. Actually, I know. I'm, I'm definitely getting a Switch. It's just a matter of time. Um, along with several other Final Fantasy games, which you've talked about, um, I will replay Final Fantasy IX when it comes to the Switch. And I'm not holding my breath, but a solid Chrono Trigger should be coming. Anything but that Steam port. We will talk more about the Switch, though. It really is my favorite system ever. All right, top five. I've been waiting for this moment. Uh, For my list, I need to mention that I'm the younger brother of a modest income family. Therefore, my experiences with games were from hand-me-downs during my childhood. In fact, 60% of my collection was inherited from my brother, and about 35 of the rest, about 35% of the rest were bought pre-owned. So my list might vary about from the norm, but then again, the fact I'm different might be normal about now. That said, I don't uh, really have fun childhood memories of Jay. Are you serious? This is the game. It's I'm making it fun. Robert, I'm going to crush your soul. I was listening to you. I wasn't reading along. Where are you? Can you highlight where you are? <laughs> Right. Start with that word. All right. Memories of going to the game store. So instead, I'll list what comes to mind and voila. Holy crap. Number five, Robert. (laughs) GameStop. As an adult, I travel to GameStop quite often. I love the deals, looking at games I still can't afford, and even the merch. It's so cool that if your mom slash girlfriend slash wife whoa they can't is that all all one is that that, yeah they can't (laughs) you stole my joke sorry that just uh I got a little weird (laughs) unless she a milf then okay it's so cool that if your mom slash girlfriend slash wife needs to go shopping anywhere a GameStop is usually nearby. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it better. One fun memory was pre-ordering Halo 3 and attending the midnight release. The line was wrapped around the building, which can be a nightmare, but when everyone is gathered with a like mind and copies are guaranteed, it can be quite fun. Yeah, that's kind of like what you were saying about uh, oh, yeah. WoW, right? That's exactly right. Number four, Goodwill. One of my favorite pastimes is to search through what other people don't want and see if I can find something of use. 
Whether you're a yard sale or a donation center, I love looking at DVDs, CDs, and games and seeing what kind of steals I can come across. Sadly, the games that are usually in donation centers are poor quality, but occasionally you might find a gem. I don't, this is me talking, I wish I could find good, like, yard sales and stuff. I never find... It's getting rare and rare, because people are just chucking shit or going to Goodwill. Yeah, and I've even gone to Goodwill, like, well, like, once. Like, I, I usually just too lazy to make it out my way over there, but, like, and they had, like, year-old sports games, basically, and that was basically yeah. it. Um, number three, Best Buy. Jay! So my favorite childhood memory about game stores was that they often set up a system with popular games or games that demo customers could play. I would often spend the entire trip crowded around a system with a game that I would never actually play except on the rare occasion that I was in a store. I wish VR had taken over this approach, but I'm sure the hardware is too fragile slash expensive to let random people trash around. <laughs> yeah. uh, thrash around, excuse me. Uh, number two, private-owned stores. These stores make up uh, make the top of my list because they still carry the classics. It is so much fun to walk through a store with NES, Sega, and Super Nintendo games, etc. Oh, and look at uh, look at the games we grew up with and see how much they are valued these days. I, just, I would like to point out that he put commas between NES, Sega, and SNES, huh? which makes me think the slashes between mom, girlfriend, wife... Oh, is more confusing. Yeah, is uh, maybe a little bit more towards what we were thinking of. I'm concerned. And kind of turned on. I'm not going to judge. A weird boner. <laughs> oh, and to look at the games we grew up with and see how much they are valued at these days. These stores seem to be few and far between these days, but that is probably because of my number one. Often these stores would include anime or comic book sections, which only make them cooler and more fun to browse. Number one, the internet. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, the mecca of game selections, the destroyer of childhood video game store memories. Still, just type in SNES games for sale, and not only will... You got something still rubbing against your mic. Oh, that was me shaking, I think. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I see what it is. Okay, I know what it is. Now. You got it? It was my nipples. Oh, okay. The destroyer of childhood game store memories. Still, just type in SNES games for sale, and not only will multiple game stores that want your dollar pop up with competing prices... But also mega sites that uh, that outsource these companies will list all the games you could think of and usually at a much cheaper price than the physical stores could dream of. The answer is kind of a cop-out for this podcast and listeners alike, but it is a reality for the next generation. As the rise of digital games and online purchases continues to grow, the, rea the reality we all knew and tried to hold on to quickly fades into our memories. And to finish... I'll list some ideas for future top fives that I have. Okay, hold on. Let me pull out my notes. Number one, top five games that you own that you have not played. That's a good one. I think, didn't we, I thought we talked about doing this at one point because this is literally you in a nutshell. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. We may have even possibly done it or something similar to. But I was wondering, I was actually wondering about that, but my memory is but so foggy. I'd be willing to do it again sometime though because this, this is a good one. My, my, you know what's funny? My list is very short for this. I don't buy games unless I know I'm going to play them. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't do that too much anymore. Well, with, I guess with newer... I don't do it much with classic games. Well, no, I take that back. I do it all the time. <laughs> I was going to say, last, every, every sale that happens, you're like, oh, I bought 84 games for 14 cents. Yeah. I'm never going to play anything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, this came to me as an idea after Rob had us decide what game to play based off, off of what he had backlogged on Steam. 
That and with the other um, write-ins about Humble Bundles that your fans get sucked into, I'm quite sure there are plenty of popular games for us all to choose from. Uh, number two, top five demi-human characters. I was thinking about Tekken during some of the emails uh, of the last cast and when PS1 Mini was announced. Anyway, the character King popped into my head as an iconic character to whom I always thought of, to whom I always thought was cool. Frog from Chrono Trigger uh, is an obvious selection for this topic, and there are many more that pop up. Thought you might like it. Number three, top five children's games. That's that's a pretty good one too. Um, now I'm re- now I'm not referring to Red Rover or Foursquare here. No, this idea came to me as Father Beast talked about one of his least favorite games and Rob and Jay reminisced about how fun it was for them. There are a slew of educational, meant-for-children games that are actually quite a bit of fun for adults, too. And let's be honest, the best ones are the classic ones. Jay, you mentioned loving the FFX soundtrack. Yeah, it's one of the few game soundtracks that I that I owned. I used to listen to it for hours at a time. Uh, funny enough, it was four discs long. Wow. I don't remember that actually. I remember I remember it being two, but okay. Jay, take it away. Uh, Rob, you asked me uh, asked me to link a chrono. Excuse me, link in a Chrono Trigger Frog Steam remix. But come on, since when do I do the bare minimum? Below are a list of tracks. Excuse me. Below are a list of links to remixes I have found over the last week or so. I will link one of them now because it's probably my favorite. And if you play one for the cast, this has to be it. Um, I made sure to link it to the perfect moment to maximize our listeners' time. But they are all pretty good. Anyway, here it is. By the way, did you get a chance to listen to that dope uh, regular Nintendo mix I sent you via Twitter? There's a track in there about 13 minutes in that I just can't get enough of. Uh, yes, Jonathan, I did, uh, but I didn't get. I didn't listen to that one 13 minutes in. I got like something came, something. I got distracted by something and never went back to it. I'll go back and check it out though. Thank you. Uh, Jonathan closes out by saying, here's a list of some others I found for you to enjoy. Linked uh, five or six YouTube links and then said later, fellas. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to worry about playing these on the podcast so that we don't go on super long. But we will check them out. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Two more. This one is from Ryan. Ryan says, I hope you all had fun playing Quest for Glory. I didn't play it, so I'll be listening for your hot take. I think I need to start writing an email the week I listened to the podcast because I don't remember a lot of detail a week later. I know there were a couple things I wanted to comment on, but I don't have time to listen through the podcast again to figure it out. Yeah, come on, get on top of that, Ryan. For classic video games, most of my time has been speedrunning Zapper games. I'm on the leaderboard for Duck Hunt in two categories, nice, and Wild Gunman Game C. I've enjoyed playing the games, and even though it's a fairly small community, it's been fun. To have a couple of them, uh, to have a couple of them drop into my stream and to watch me play. On Saturday, I plan to pick up Hogan's Alley. Yeah, I was wondering about that when he said Zapper Games, Operation Wolf, and Gotcha. I couldn't pass up Gotcha since it's an LJN title. Oh no, with a publisher like LJN, it has to be good. Oh man, I haven't heard of this, but I will have to look at. I gotta check out Gotcha. During a recent Steam sale, I picked up the original Assassin's Creed. I think I'll casually play through it next month. Not sure about attempting the speedrun. It's over three hours long. Uh, I've been listening to Assassin's Creed inspired songs on the YouTube channel for Miracle of Sound. Uh, and I had no idea how cool those cutscenes are. I only hope the gameplay is as good as the cinematography. Jay, are you a uh, Assassin's, uh, Assassin's Creed fan? Not really. Lisa's a, a huge fan of it. 
Um, she played the first couple ones and really enjoyed it. If you're playing the first one, she said they're really enjoyable. But uh, as the game goes on, or the series goes on, it's like Saw, where they just keep adding characters in that apparently existed in the world, and they just try to drag out a story that... Just, How's that like Saw? Um, you know, like Saul just keeps at it, saying there's this character that was in, in the background, you just didn't notice them, and then there's another character that was a part of the whole thing, and you just didn't know about it. Like I never, I think I've only seen like half of one of them. Oh, okay. I thought you were a huge fan of Saul. Yeah, oh, they no. kept doing this thing where they're like, by the way, there was this girl that worked with Jigsaw, and she did all this stuff, and there's a whole movie about that. And by the way, there was a guy who was the brother's sister's uncle's, you know, favorite dog or something, and he was a villain. Okay. I've never played any Assassin's Creed game. You wouldn't like them. Okay. Um, here we go. Okay. For super old games, I've been looking at firing up a Mac Plus emulator to play the original Wizardry. We owned it when I was a kid, but I never got very far. I was only five to six years old when we got it in 85. So I wasn't really the right age to get it. I wasn't really the right age to get far. I also plan to install DOSBox and play some Oregon Trail. Yeah. I was going to do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Seriously, I was thinking about doing that for the podcast. Nice. He says, I never beat that game as a kid because everyone kept dying of dysentery. Yep. Yeah, dysentery or what's the other one? Um, I think it was just dysentery, really. Starving? I think it was just starving. It was trying to cross rivers. Oh, God. Similar to Wizardry, I'm hoping 38-year-old me is better at games than 6-year-old me was. Yeah, I don't know that I ever beat Oregon Trail either. I don't think anybody's ever been it. You're going to be the first one in the world. <laughs> did you? Did you? Hardest game ever. Did you always name all the people, like, people that you knew, like, your friends and stuff? I only played in class, so I named it after my classmates. And then yeah. it was like, Eric died of dysentery, and Eric would be like, teacher, Jay killed me. <laughs> we used to, me and my friends would play, we would, like, we would, like, do ourselves, and then everybody else would be, like, hot girls in our class that we would, like. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Like, oh, yeah, we're going on a trip with, like, you know, what this girl and that girl. I was younger, so that would have been <laughs> We're talking like first grade, second grade. <laughs> um, let's see, where'd I go? For a modern game, I continue to grind away at Bravely Default whenever I'm traveling. It takes so much time to get anywhere in the game. I have to have hours to play, so I actually make progress. I haven't been using any guides, so I'm sure my builds are not optimized, but it has been wow. fun. I like the storyline, which is a fairly stereotypical revive the crystals adventure so far. Yeah, that's exact. I, I kind of got to a, I haven't, I sort of fell off bravely default. Um, th- it does take a long time to get places and do things. And also like you have to do a little bit of grind, a little bit more gr- grinding, or maybe I'm just not good at the game, but I feel like you have to do a little bit more grinding than I like to do in like any type of game. I had a whole lot of fun with it for the first, like, 15 or 20 hours, really. And then uh, it just started to turn into a little bit of a slog for me. But uh, it's definitely a good game. But it didn't, once it got to, like, the 25-hour marker or so, I felt like it wasn't moving along fast enough. Uh, my main video game store memory is really the weird excitement I would get at Toys R Us selecting an NES or SNES game to purchase and claiming the little white ticket. (laughs) That's awesome. Like three of us have said that. Standing in a toy store aisle full of pictures of video game boxes was was pretty cool to me in the 80s and 90s. It's also how I ended up with some terrible games with fantastic box art, but that's a different top five. Hope you have a great podcast. Sincerely, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Last one. Holy shit. (laughs) This is all you. Oh, really? You want a popcorn again? 
Uh, if you want, yeah, we can do that if you want. Yeah, I kind of like that. All right, this is from <laughs> this is from awesome. Simon. Um, Simon the girl. Yeah, Simon the girl. Cool. Completely shitting on everybody else's emails. Let's go. Let's do uh, it. I'm gonna take a guess on that second word. So Simon says, "Salutations, purveyors of classic gaming there you discussion." Go. Um, it was uh, it was great to finally hear the last episode after the delay. It's like they say, you don't appreciate what you've got until it's gone or something. Anyway, I'm glad to see the episodes back to the regular schedule, and I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's comments on the game of the quarter, even if it turns out everyone hated it. Uh, Simon goes on to say, Quest for Glory 1 is easily my favorite series. Oh, wow. I was about to say, I bet, sorry, just to interrupt, I was, I was just about to say, I bet she liked it because I said earlier that it's similar to Simon the Sorcerer. Uh, even though I, I bet that's probably not the reason she likes it, because it only is similar in the bad ways, but I don't know. I just had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. Uh, though it's hard to tell how much of that is due to it being a genuinely good game and how much of it is due, just due to nostalgia and sentimentality. Um, I suspect nostalgia is probably a big part of it, though, uh, though, and I'm sure most of the others who played it for the game of the quarter will have much less glowing comments on it than I do. Um, I played the original EGA version of Quest for Glory 1 wow. with the text parser when I was pretty young, and there was just something about the world that fascinated me. It was basically a very early open world game. You can go anywhere in the game uh, game world right from the start, and even has a day slash night cycle. That was something I'd never experienced in a game before, and it really made me feel like an immersive, lived-in world. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over if you don't mind, because you're you're it's still doing the fade okay. out, fade in and out thing, just so that there's not a issue uh, listening to this. I'm gonna start over on this one paragraph. I played the original EGA version of Quest for Glory 1 with the text parser when I was pretty young. That's impressive, by the way. And there was just something about the world that it, that fascinated me. It was basically a very early open world game. You can go anywhere in the game world right from the start, and it even has a day-night cycle. This was something I've never exper- I had never experienced in a game before, and it really made it feel like an immersive, lived-in world. I think in some ways, uh, the text parser actually added to that immersion because you had no idea what the limits were. You didn't just routinely go through all the dialogue options or use trial and error with all your action icons and inventory items when you got stuck. You could try literally anything you could think of, and sure, sometimes the game didn't even know what you meant, but when you did actually get something to work, I'd say there was a higher sense of accomplishment in the text parser version. Uh, I had a lot of problems with the text parser in other Sierra games, like the early King's Quest and Space Quest games, like in Space Quest 2, when you have to type... Take a deep breath before you dive underwater or else you drown. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. But there, holy shit. Yeah, that, that is why I don't like text parser games. Um, but there was something about Quest for Glory that just made it work. I think it just synced well with the RPG elements. You were already creating your own character instead of playing an existing protagonist. And it just felt like the text parser was an extra layer and creating the feeling of being dropped into a world where you could do whatever you wanted, rather than just playing through a prepared story. The fact that there were different character types and a lot of alternative puzzle solutions also added to this feeling, because your playthrough could be very different uh, from someone else's. It wasn't like in the other Sierra games where you had to figure out the one exact thing that the designers wanted you to type at each point. All that being said, I did play the point-and-click remake this month, and I agree that version is easier to recommend to a modern audience. The streamlined interface does make it easier for today's gamers who have lists of hundreds of games they're trying to work through. 
In the early 90s, when gaming was a more niche and expensive hobby, most people I know only got a handful of games each year, so it made a lot more sense to chip away at a game like this for months on end, trying to come up with new things to try. That's a lot harder to justify in today's gaming climate when there is always the next new sparkling thing around the corner and thousands of games available for less than $5 in sales. Yeah, very true. On a more personal note, Quest for Glory was one of my earliest experiences of the fantasy genre, and to this day, the land of Spielberg is is basically the default fantasy world to me. Like, I forever... Yeah, that was kind of funny that the, that the town was called Spielberg. Yeah, that threw me off, actually. I wonder about that. Like, I forever thought of centaurs being farmers, even though I can't actually think of a single other fantasy story where that's the case. Also, the worlds of Quest for Glory 2 and 3 are very unique among gaming worlds, taking inspiration from Middle Eastern and African culture and mythology instead of the more common uh, European inspirations seen in most fantasy games. Gameplay and story and characters aside, the actual worlds of the first three Quest for Glory games have been really influential to me. Uh, I'm not sure how many people have actually played the game all the way through, but one of the cool features of the Quest for Glory series is that when you finish a game, you can export your character to use in the sequels. <laughs> we were talking about that. Yep. There's no official point-and-click version of Quest for Glory 2, which will probably put a lot of people off continuing this series, but the good news is that there was a fan-made point-and-click remake by a group called AGD Interactive. It supports the character export feature, both for bringing your character over from the official versions of Quest for Glory 1 and for exporting, exporting your character over to the official versions of Quest for Glory 3, 4, and 5. So it is exactly so it is so it is actually possible to carry your character through the whole series without ever having to use the text parser. Whether that's much of an incentive for people to keep going with the series or not, I thought it was a cool thing to note. I'm not sure if you'll be deciding the next game of the quarter this episode or waiting till next time, but I did have a thought if you're going to use the listener voting system again. Since there was technically a tie last time, maybe the one that didn't get chosen, I think it was Dark Forces 2, should go back into the pool of options for next time to give it another chance especially if it turns out everyone hated quest for glory and it was all my fault for convincing rob to pick it but yeah up to you <laughs> jay thoughts you want to just go yeah i think we fine. have a sixth option you want to you want to add that you want to add that into the list sure all right fine. so we are adding star wars jedi knight dark forces 2 to the list in that case and i'll and i'll read <clears throat> i'll reread all of those at the end of the episode uh, I'm not sure if the top five uh, this episode was meant to be about great, fun, positive gaming store experiences, but maybe I'm just too cynical <laughs> because most of the things I could I could think of are more about stupid, ridiculous gaming store experiences. Probably the one that sticks out to me the most was when I, was when I wandered into Target one afternoon after school and saw that they had Pokemon Crystal out on the shelves a couple of weeks before release date. Wow. Of course... Wow. Being the Pokemon addict that I was and having recently acquired my first uh, debit card, I had to buy it. While sitting waiting for the bus, I decided to open the box and discovered dot dot dot. It was empty. (laughs) I promptly ran back to the store panicking about what would happen if they didn't believe me and thought I was trying to scam them. Fortunately, the guy at the counter didn't question me. He just took the box back and went to get another copy. Well, about 10 minutes later, he finally returned and handed me a copy of Pokemon Blue. Then came the task of explaining to him that these were not the same game. He only looked to be a couple of years older than me, but clearly knew nothing about Pokemon because he couldn't seem to grasp the fact that they were different games. He said, both said Pokemon on the cover. (laughs) Oh 
my god. Wow. Eventually I convinced him and he went off to find the right game. He came back quicker this time and seemed very triumphant when he handed me <laughs> a copy of Pokemon of the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy. Good lord. <laughs> At this point I started to wondering if he was doing this on purpose. Because the cover for that looks even less like Pokemon Crystal than Pokemon Blue does. So I told him again that this was not the right game, and he went and disappeared again. Uh, When he returned, I was relieved to see that he finally had a Pokemon Crystal box. I went to head back to the bus when it occurred to me that I should check inside to make sure he hadn't given me another empty box. So I opened it, and sure enough, there was a cartridge inside. A Pokemon Blue cartridge? What? (laughs) It was Target. I was trying to see if this was GameStop. This is Target. Yeah. <laughs> he had a real look of dread on his face. I told him this was the right box, but the wrong game. At this point, the guy probably thought she was the idiot. He's probably like, oh, yeah. like, I told you. See, this is the game that was inside that one. He disappeared again for longer than ever. And eventually, he must have asked for help from a supervisor because he returned with a sullen look on his face and a middle-aged woman at his side who apologized to me and finally gave me the correct game. Wow. I'm surprised she got it. I'm surprised she didn't fire him. <laughs> At that, and that's the story of how I eventually managed to get Pokemon Crystal before the official release date. That is amazing. Because the game wasn't meant to be out yet. I assumed the boxes on the shelves were just meant to be a coming soon display while the actual, cart- yeah. while the actual cartridges were locked up somewhere until release day. Or perhaps the guy secretly did know a lot about Pokemon and was stealing all the crystal cartridges to sell in the black market, replacing them with other Pokemon games to fool unsuspecting customers. Either way, it did make me realize just how uh, easy it could be for a parent who knows nothing about video games to be misled and buy the wrong thing for their kid. If a kid can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I know there were a lot of stories about parents being confused about the difference between the Wii and the Wii U. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were blaming the parents for being too stupid to know the difference. But when the store employees either don't know the difference themselves or they deliberately try to pass one thing off as another, it's hard to put all the blame on the consumer. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I did have a few other gaming store memories I was going to mention, but I think I probably ran it too long for one episode. Especially because I'm not sure what time you record and I may have already missed the deadline. So I'll have those. So I'll have those for you when I can, when I, when I can't think of anything else to write about another time. Looking forward to the new episode and hearing other listeners' input on these topics. Thank you very much, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> what a disaster of a visit to a store. That's crazy. Um, and that's that is our final email of the whole entire evening, Jay. I like it. Um Current Gaming Subcast, anything you want to talk about? No, I can't talk about before I'm playing Breath of the Wild again. Very fun game. Oh yeah. I'm really enjoying it so far, but um no. Uh I've been playing I just have two very quick stories. I started a new game of Crusader Kings 2. <laughs> and uh <clears throat> So one of the things in Crusader Kings is you want to you always want your heir to be like a good character because that's who you play as when, when your current character dies. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and that's also who like typically takes, uh, you know, they're, they're your heir. They inherit all of the land that you own, all the countries or whatever that you're the king of. 
So I built a, I'm playing as, uh, I, I started off as the um, king of West Francia. And I basically took over all of France. And then through like some various marriages and stuff, I met, happened to take over uh, the entire Byzantine Empire, as well as I think it was all of Scotland. So like, I'm a fucking world power. Like I own basically half of the entire world. And uh, one of my, um, I, I changed the inheritance laws for for various reasons I won't get into, to uh, the opposite of how it typically worked, which is usually historically uh, a lot of inheritance laws were primogenitor, whereas, which is the first son basically gets everything. Well, I changed the inheritance laws to ultimogenitor, which is the, the last son that you have gets everything. Again, I won't go into the details why, but there are some reasons that it that it can be uh, better for you in-game to do that. Anyway, so I had a really strong son, and he was uh, he had a genius trait, which basically gives him a huge boost to, like, all of the stats. Like, genius is, uh, if you can ever get a character with a genius trait, like, you, you want to use them as much as possible, because it makes them awesome. I happen to have a son with a genius, well, I married a genius wife, and uh, that, that gives you a higher chance of having genius children. So I had a genius son. He was like my second one. So I was like, all right, I need him to be my last son. So he's the one who inherits all my shit. Well, I accidentally had another son uh, a few years later. And um, <laughs> I got this message that says like, oh, your newborn son is like sick. What do you want us to do? And it, <laughs> the options were, the options are when anytime you get something like that, it's like call the court physician or like, oh, he'll just have to tough it out himself. He's like two days old. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I was like, stop bothering. I chose the option. It was like, stop bothering me with this or whatever it was. And literally like two days later, he died. So uh, <laughs> it was a little bit brutal, but luckily I got to keep my good son, my, my genius son as the, as my heir. And then uh, this was like years later in game. My, um, the, the genius son that who, who I have not, started playing as yet because my current character has not died, but uh, you know, of course he's still my heir. Uh, I arranged for him to get married to this one woman. And then, uh, so he got married to her when he, when he was, became old enough to marry. And then, uh, I was looking, I was like, it was after, it was shortly after he was married. I was going to, to, I was looking at his wife, his wife's stats and her claims and all this kind of stuff to see like what was good about her and like why I chose her. Cause I couldn't really remember why I chose her. And I was looking at her and I don't know what made me choose her because for him to marry her, because I was like, there's nothing good about this lady. Like she does, she's not, she doesn't have any good traits. She doesn't have that good of stats. She doesn't have any claims on any land or anything. So I was like, I really don't know. Like, I guess I just messed up and picked the wrong person. So I was like, well, in this game, you know, you can, you can plot to kill people. And, uh, so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to, I guess I need to plot to kill her so I can get him, so I can like force him to marry somebody better. But I'm kind of worried that when he finds out that, um, that I'm, tr- that, that I want to murder her. Like if he finds out that that could be bad for me and it'll, it causes your relation to hit with him to get really bad. And he might try to like kill you and even take over or something. So I was a little bit nervous about doing that. But when you, uh, when you plot to kill somebody, you can also, uh, invite other people to join in your plots. And then like some people will, will, will automatically join and some people you can like pay them to join. And some people just like won't join or whatever. But, uh, 
I was like, well, I, I think I just need to do this because otherwise his wife is going to be really bad. It's going to make the game harder for me later. So I was like, so I just take the risk. Hopefully he won't find out that I'm that I'm plotting to kill his wife. <laughs> so I so I so I chose the option to plot. You can only plot to kill one person at a time. So I was like, all right, I'm going to plot to kill her. And the first person to sign up and join me on my plot to kill her was him. <laughs> oh, so that was actually kind of hilarious. Anyway, that's all. That's all I'll get into, or else I'm going to start ranting about how fun Crusader Kings Two is. But uh, but yeah, that happened. So that was cool. That was fun. That's all I got. Is it? Is it time for our outro? I think so. All right. Once again, send in your votes for our next game of the quarter, which will be sometime, I guess, mid December, because probably won't be late December because uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be too rough. I was gonna say. So uh, sometime mid-December is when we will be discussing the next game of the quarter. Our options, once again, are Giants, Citizen Kabuto, Wing Commander Armada, Double Dragon, Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers, The Elder Scrolls Arena, and the newly added Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Those are the options. Vote for one. Send us your votes. We will... Uh, Choose whichever one gets the most votes, or if there's a uh, tie, then Jay will be the tiebreaker. Oh, yes. I don't remember. Did you say I'm allowed to vote or not? You are not. Damn it. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, we did get one. <laughs> we did get one new iTunes review. Oh. This is a three star. It starts off with not terrible. There you go. <laughs> Hell That's yeah. Cheers! Can I get a hell yeah on that one? Hell yeah. Uh, Not terrible. This is a good cast to hear about some random games. The hosts are mostly relatable, seem like good good dudes. Definitely, yeah. Definitely fun if you participate with the lists in Game of the Quarter. My only major complaint, it does often drag on. They read every email and provide narrative on each, and it's just too much. The first hour of the show is great. If you shut it off there, you would not miss much. I wish they'd keep the email portion around an hour as opposed to the two hour plus segment it often dredges into. If you like classic games and sharing experiences with them, def give it a listen. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the email goes on two hours. I mean, I know we get, we get a long email section. I don't think it ever goes on for quite two hours, but regardless, uh, this is from, it looks like this, this is uh, Jake that sent this review. We I do I do appreciate we do appreciate the feedback, Jake. Uh, yeah, for sure. For us, I, I like one of one of our favorite. I mean, really, honestly, our favorite part of the whole thing is talking to other people about the stuff that we've played. Would you agree with that, Jay? Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of like that's just kind of our thing is that our highlight of the whole podcast is hearing what other people have had to say and kind of having this this sort of back and forth discourse with them. So. But yeah, I get that probably isn't for everybody, but that's sort of a, I don't see us doing, I don't see us changing that in any way. Cause that's sort of a, that's, that's, that's kind of what we've, what we've always wanted sort of, you know, remember like the first like fucking 40 or 50 episodes where we're always like, write us in more people need to write emails. And, uh, and now we've, we've, we've got that and it's pretty solid and, uh, and, and I have a ton of fun with it. So yeah, probably not going to change that in any way ever. But um, but yeah, but I, I we do appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah. Aside from that, 
Again, send us an email, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Don't forget to vote on Game of the Quarter. Uh, our next top five is um, games that we want on the PlayStation Classic. Besides the three that it already comes with, or the three that we already know it's coming with. And uh, follow us at Class Gamescast. Follow me at King Octavius. And whether you do or don't, we will see you in time.